Hello and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I'm David Bax. And thank you for listening. David. Yes. How you doing? Oh, I'm, well, uh, in keeping with recent tradition, I'm not in a good mood, but, um... But are you, uh, are you just saying that, or are you actually not in a good mood? Uh, things are not going that great for me, actually. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, so, yeah, that's an ongoing thing. But David, what can I do? Hey, well, here's what, I, here's what I've decided to do. Okay. To, to keep myself from getting in this, in, this, in this rut, being depressed about my finances, whenever, whatever else is going on, I've decided to literally spice things up. As we, as we learned a few weeks ago, my standard pre-podcast recording snack... Okay. Because I usually don't have, don't have time to have a meal between work and podcasting on right. Thursday nights. Is uh, a bag of uh, dried pineapples. Not a full bag, but some dried pineapples. From yeah, Peter I've Jones. seen them. They look very unappetizing. They're, no, they're delicious. They're one of the greatest things in the world. And I will definitely return to them. But you know what I did, I did today? What's that? Flaming Hot Cheetos. Oh, man. They're so good. <laughs> Wanting to recapture your youth. Yeah. Uh, when you much. didn't care about your finances. Well, yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't find Andy Cap's hot fries, which would have definitely recaptured my youth. What about but, some uh, Funyuns? Maybe uh, top it off with some Funyuns. I don't think I had Funyuns when I was young. I don't I, think I had Funyuns until I was in college and getting high. I, okay, fair enough. Uh, yeah, in middle school, we'll bring our guest in a minute. Sure. Uh, in middle school, I remember I would buy lunch every day, and I would buy, like, a cookie, I would buy a Hawaiian punch, and I would buy some Funyuns. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, I was not a healthy person. <laughs> and so, um, and I loved Funyuns uh-huh. for a month. I have not had them since. It sounds, <laughs> they sound disgusting. I remember one, somebody was having Funyuns, like, maybe like two years ago. I was like, I haven't had Funyuns in years. Can I have, a, can I have one? I was like, oh, okay, I'm done. That's the end of that. <laughs> you, do you know what? I, um, I, I talked about college and, and getting high, and that was the only time in my life I really did regularly get high. I haven't gotten high in years now, but I don't think I've ever actually eaten a Funyun sober. So I don't know if I have an opinion on Funyuns. But, Either way, uh, when you grow up, you stop eating Funyuns. That's, <laughs> that's how we Well, are. you know who, uh, who might have an opinion on Funyuns and other, other snack foods? Exotic it, it, foods like those uh, flaming hot Cheetos and stuff. Sure, or, or, or who knows what kind of uh, terrible for you salty, greasy snacks you can get in other countries uh, that we haven't been to. We will talk about that w- with our with our guest uh, right now. Welcome back to the show, ladies and gentlemen, Mike Siegel. Hi guys, it's great to be here. Thank you. Yeah, I see the nice. level of uh, discourse has gone up since I've been here. around Funyuns. <laughs> I'm actually, you know, I, I love Funyuns. Yeah. Uh, well, I did. Like uh, junior high, that was my that was my go to. Yeah. Bag of uh, chips yeah. in uh, junior high, and then uh, I was a Susie Q guy. Okay. Okay. Did you have the? Uh, where did you grow up again? You were out here. I lived a lot of places, but I grew up here. But like uh, the Susie Q the was Funyuns, a hostess thing. Yeah. The sure, Funyuns yeah. era was uh, probably when I lived in Denver. Yeah. At the time. Ooh, man. I was and then but they made your breath smell horrible. Oh yeah. So it's like, you know, you couldn't talk to girls anyway back then. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure that didn't help. Now he's talking to you, Tyler. You couldn't talk to girls. Yes, which he is he's correct. I could not. I did not have any uh confidence and i was overweight i had terrible acne and i uh, had braces and uh, also i had not developed this dynamic personality yes. sure yeah <laughs> would the acne have anything to do with the funyun hawaiian punch <laughs> diet would you know what? Maybe? it might it okay. might also okay. just uh, i come from a from a family of uh, people with uh, fairly greasy skin oh so uh, i know that sounds greasy terrible <laughs> i'm just it is good what a thing to pass it on that you were already taken it's because you yeah. would not be doing yourself any favors what? announcing your greasy skin to the world. I'm fine now, <laughs> and here's why. Because I took something called Accutane, 
And it was so powerful that once a month you have to go in and get blood drawn to make sure that you're not doing any damage to your liver. <laughs> oh, my God. Really? So uh, that just blew the acne right off my face. <laughs> That's great. And incidentally, I probably can't. It's probably a good thing I don't drink now yeah. because my liver would be ah. destroyed. Oh, my Real God. Real quick before we move on. Okay. Because before we recorded, you were talking about our generation, 80s, 90s yeah. kids. Um, do you remember, I don't know if you ever had uh, Oh Boise's? potato chips i have they were so good they were I, my favorite when i was a kid i did not i wonder if um, maybe that was a, a midwest type thing maybe it was they were uh you know the thing about them is they were oh boisterous that's what it said in the commercials <laughs> oh, no. oh boises are oh boisterous uh that company go under <laughs> i, have to I hope so did, right? i hope so <laughs> they were for the pun alone it should yeah. go under for that but uh uh, we're not actually here to talk about um no let's go foods. through the whole snack food <laughs> oh we could do that let's move on um, to desserts but I, I mentioned um, snack foods from, I, I joked about snack foods from around the world. Uh, you know, you joke about this, but one of the fa- <laughs> my favorite things to do when I go to another, a different country is uh, I have a thing, like, you, they always have the craziest uh, potato chip flavors <laughs> in other countries. And I always try to go to, like, this 7-Eleven or whatever convenience store, and I'll get, like, the, the, just the weirdest flavors I could, I could find. Like, in Asia, prawn-flavored f- chips oh, are, like, a really wait, big I've, thing. I've had those. You oh, yeah, the, those You are, get them at uh, Asian grocery stores You here. get, like, um, seaweed-flavored. Mm. You get uh, whatever the craziest ones I always get. Uh, now, I know this isn't, like... Uh, and I mentioned this because you are well-traveled, and that's what your podcast <laughs> is about, and we'll get to that in a second. Uh, I know this isn't, like... Canada isn't super far away, but I was just recently hearing about a thing called, I think, all-dressed potato chips. Oh, I don't know that. Which is essentially like, <laughs> the way I understand it is that Ruffles just takes, or whatever brand, just takes every flavor they produce and puts them all on a chip. And <laughs> like every single one? That's, that's the way it was explained to me. I'm sure that our Canadian <laughs> listeners will tell me that I'm getting it wrong, but it sounds amazing to me, or at least intriguing. Yeah, oh, well, I'd try it. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, let me. Canada was the first place I had ketchup flavored potato chips. Yeah, I had those in London. Yeah, yeah okay. Those are good. I recognize that this is me talking. I just had to explain to our friend Mike Siegel <laughs> that I am a super taster. He, that's new information to him. Um, <laughs> and uh, because when I was on his show, we talked about my food thing because oh, it's boy. one of my concerns when I travel. But uh, the thing about like seaweed potato chips, <laughs> it seems strange to me almost philosophically. It's like the idea of of uh like soy bacon because there still, are people we, that we, you're say you're still talking about a potato chip yeah it's just flavored. a flavoring it's just a flavor i mean not but it. at the same time like just eat seaweed like if that's what if that's the <laughs> flavor you think, want like the thi- here's the thing i think to most normal people okay a All starch right. like a potato is basically just a like a, it, it has a texture but it's, it's a delivery system for other flavors okay you can I'll, infuse I'll, any flavor into a starch like a potato okay like whereas a, you just want the starch you just want the potato i would like i'm a i'm a fan of uh when i you know what when i got done with those funyuns i switched over to uh sour cream and onion uh ruffles okay uh those uh those hold up by the way okay i can handle those yeah i haven't had them in years your super taste buds can handle those (laughs) (laughs) because i don't know i don't know what your threshold is like Uh, yeah i can have any kind of spice you can't is pretty stepped on yeah it's cut pretty heavily it's cut yeah <laughs> but uh with just flour um but the uh but the thing i guess what the thing is like if somebody because i know that there are people that like will eat you know see not just seaweed right out of the ocean or anything but like and like kale kale is like seaweed right yeah yeah and so they'll have that and uh and i i have seen like kale like basically turned into a chip it's crunchy and all that mm-hmm. and part of me is just like well just do that 
Like if you want to eat, like if somebody's eating seaweed, but it's not the kale chip kind of thing, they're just eating seaweed and they're like, this is good, but it's not crunchy enough. It's like, well, then clearly it's not meant to be crunchy. Like now you're, but it's a now flavoring. you're making, yeah. is it a okay. flavoring? So I, like, I, I like salt and vinegar potato chips, which you don't like, them. but by your argument, I should just be eating salt and vinegar. No, anything you don't like on a potato. <laughs> no, no. Here's Something the thing. I, on its own? The, I guess it's it's just strange because salt and vinegar are themselves a flavoring. Like if there was a hmm, like a vinegar plant. God okay. help us! And you were eating that plant, and you're like, mm, but the, not why, crunchy enough. Why don't you just eat an onion then? Because that's no, no, no. Here's the thing. Not, if I was, this is what I'm saying. If I was eating an onion, and I said this doesn't, this isn't crunchy like a potato chip. Like, I need to... It's different than it's like, here's the chip and here's the oh, flavor. I, I but think your argument comes down to you like what you like and you don't understand why other people like different things. No, this is a phil- philosophical <laughs> not, thing. It seems there are like, so many holes in it. It oh. just seems like the two shouldn't go together. You've you got to be a colossal pain in the ass to live with. <laughs> you really... I walked in here, there's a smell of two beautiful quiches on the counter uh-huh. yeah, that his my, wife had my made. My wife was it's cooking today. Gorgeous. Yeah. And I was like, oh, what smells so good? And he shows me these beautiful quiches, and he says, yeah, and I can't eat any of that. I was like, well, you're missing out uh, on life. You're, well, it's that, a horrible way to that's live. That's the thing I have respected about Jenny from the beginning, is she has not let Tyler's weirdness hamper her <laughs> at all. Like, one time, before Tyler lived here, he came out and he stayed with me and my, and my ex-girlfriend, then-girlfriend at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did. They were looking for places, and they stayed. You were staying somewhere else, but you stayed with us for, like, the first night. Yeah. I think. Yeah. And, um... We decided we're going to order some Thai food. And Tyler was like, I don't want any Thai food. And Jenny was like, all right, then you're not having anything. Yeah, and I ordered a pizza. <laughs> oh, no. I did not keep them from getting Thai food. I got my own thing. I took care of myself. I'm used to it, world. <laughs> well, to segue it into film, okay. sure, yeah. have you ever uh, gone into a movie and come out and just, it was about food, and then you came out like just like starving, we got to get something to eat? Well, yeah, I mean, that's the thing is like, like I'll Big s- Night I'll was one of those oh, movies yeah, for me. Absolutely, it's like we're, we're going to eat right after this. We, we got to go <laughs> yeah, get some yeah, Italian yeah. food. Really. I will. I will smell like for example those quiches. They smelled delicious when they came out of the oven. Um, and in the same way, when I saw even even food that was uh, animated, like in Ratatouille, it looked delicious. And yeah. I was like, man, I really wish I wasn't me just for a day. <laughs> then I could go and eat the stuff that people say is good. Um, so no, I do still have that desire i just uh now of course when you see uh the opening sequence from uh willy wonka and the chocolate factory it's just like (laughs) i'm good i can do that there was a movie that i loved um called it was a japanese movie called tempopo oh Hmm. i know that i haven't seen it it's about uh it's this little old uh well not old lady this little uh lady and she opens up a little uh noodle shop and if you know anything about the japanese culture noodles are like religion you know, yeah, how I you saw, made him I saw Kung Fu Panda. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, but, uh, you know, she makes these amazing noodles, and uh, there's a group of, uh, like, truck drivers and guys that uh, are very protective of her, and then there's a rival that wants to steal her recipe. It's just very cool, but, I mean, it's just slavishly devoted to the art of the noodle and, and mm-hmm. the, the process yeah. and this magical I think, thing. Uh, I think actually Jonathan Gold, the Los Angeles food critic, said that was like his favorite movie of all yeah. time. <laughs> I wouldn't doubt it. Yeah. I wouldn't doubt it. Yeah. Um, now, we keep dancing on your your podcast. Tyler was on it. It's about traveling. Tell, tell us about your show. 
Uh, it's uh, it's called Travel Tales, travel and uh, it's basically me just talking to people about where they've been and and, uh, and where they're going, different cultures and where they're going. And Tyler was nice enough to do it, even though he's you know at the time been a I couple only, of different places. At the time, I had only traveled to Colombia, and then I had I, I think this is what kind of struck your interest is that I had uh, gone to a couple uh, on a couple mission trips to Mexico, and so I was I was there in a very specific capacity. Uh, and then since then, I've gone to New Zealand. In a week, I'm going to Dominican Republic, and I might venture out of the all-inclusive resort <laughs> so that I can say I've been to Dominican Republic. And then, uh, and then in a year, I'm going to uh, Switzerland. I didn't ask you about uh, New Zealand. Ed. How did you like it? It's the best. Isn't it the most gorgeous place? It is the most. Go- I'm, I, I did not wind up going to uh, Milford Sound, I believe, oh, which is, that of is course, by far the most beautiful. Beautiful, yeah. But you know what? Still pretty good. I, uh, we took uh, when we went to. Uh, not, is it Queensland or Queenstown? No, Queenstown. I don't know. Queenstown. Queensland is Australia. Yeah. Anyway, uh, we went to Queenstown and we took uh, a helicopter to the top of a mountain and just uh, stood there and you just look and you're just like, it, when you're me, you first think in terms of movies and you just think like, this is like, this is like movies. I'm looking out <laughs> at this beautiful vista and this is what movies are like, but I'm here. This is like a real place. It's it's very strange. But, now, when uh, you see Lord of the Rings, now it makes much more sense. So you're looking. It really does look like that. It I got really it here does. on my list, uh, and we'll we'll get to the topic in a moment. But absolutely, you see Lord of the Rings, and you're just like, and and we went on like a tour where uh, they we do went it on the Hobbit tours. Town. I went to Hobbiton, and it was amazing. But then also, <laughs> we just went to like just outside of Wellington, which is not a very. Uh, I mean, it's just a city. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not that interesting. But right outside uh, of it. Apologies to our Wellington listeners. <laughs> I well, he's had, right. That's I not, it's dinner. just, it's I mean, just it's, a city. It's no North Hollywood. No, yeah, exactly. Well, no, I'm, I'm saying it's like North Because <laughs> that's a really distinctive yeah. about the city itself. Yeah, imagine, like, you go, to, you go to Queenstown and everywhere around you is this, these beautiful mountains and a lake and all that sort of thing. Uh, you go to Wellington and it's just a city. It's like going to Los Angeles. And when you hear how much of Lord of the Rings was shot just outside of Wellington. <laughs> yeah. It's it's astounding. I don't mean to crap on Wellington. It's just it doesn't seem like this beautiful epic green lush movie would be verdant. shot. What was that? Is it verdant? It absolutely oh, is. Oh, good word. Verdant. Uh, <laughs> nice. And it's just outside of town. It's like a it's like a 20 minute drive. <laughs> it's like in the from, suburbs. Yeah. And so uh, so we went on this tour and we saw and the guy I, I like that the that the guy did this. He held up like laminated stills from the film and said look look to your left from where you're standing right now now look at this and it's like ah oh, there it is <laughs> and it's uh, and it was really it was really neat and um, did you run out and take your photos and, and all these different he, things he said like he's like you can take your photos and he's like I, I don't i mean it's not like they added props to make it look more fantastic now it's just yeah. a, that's just like a tree uh <laughs> but there was one little one little like cubby like you know in the in the first film where frodo and the other hobbits are like uh huddling together as the uh, the black rider is like looking for them and it's like scrunches down and it's and it's looking for them and they're just huddled in this little like cubby uh that cubby actually exists the tree that it's near it was fake uh but uh, so Jen and I did get our picture huddled in that little <laughs> cubby. Uh, but it was. But then the tour guide took it out of focus, and uh, so oh. I was just like, "Ah, oh, that's unfortunate." The well, one photo we took that whole time. What's left of Hobbiton? I mean, it's just the facades of these houses. Not, well, they're facades anyway. But right. uh, what happened was because the one good thing out of, uh, of course, you know, the Hobbit could be a wonderful three movies. Yeah, oh, I'm sure it'll be oh, fantastic. Three. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah that's, gonna, I know. Yeah. That's just it's ridiculous. And so I'm milking it now. And yeah. three and the first one. I know we talked about this already, but it's not only three movies. But this this first one is going to be like two hours and forty five minutes long. So yeah, me, then, uh, that's uh, more than padding, enough. padding. Yeah, yeah, that's more than enough time to capture capture that first book. But anyway, uh, but. The one good thing I can get out of The Hobbit, provided, of course, the movies aren't very good, which how could they be, um, <laughs> is that they rebuilt Hobbiton. Because after, the, after Lord of the Rings, they took down, like, the big, cool circular doors, uh, and they basically just kind of left, like, frames in these little hillsides. And that was it. And people would still go on the tour because, you know, Lord of the Rings, I mean, they are, they are crazy fans. Is it blocked off? I mean, is it like... It is, a, it's, it's on a farm, uh, like a functioning sheep farm. So can anybody just drive up and just walk over no, to it? No, that part is, is okay. sectioned off. You do have to pay for the tour to go there. Uh, but then they totally, for the, for the Hobbit, they, they went back to the farmers and said, like, hey, can we rebuild Hobbit? And they're like, yes, here's the thing. You have to leave the doors. You have to make sure that all the like little miniature tool, tools that you have sitting outside of these uh, Hobbit cottages, they will stay. Like basically, just made all the demands. Like you can come back, but we're going to be giving these tours either way, and we want people to be like thrilled that they are actually in Hobbiton. And uh, I was thrilled. <laughs> um, and it was. And what's more is like the uh, the name of the, like the bar in in Hobbiton is the Green Dragon, and it's there's like a. It's right across. Uh, it, there's a bridge uh, that goes to it, and uh, and across the the stream is a uh, like a like a mill or something like that, and uh, and those are still there. But those you can't go near. You can see them off in the distance, but you can't you can't go. <laughs> What's the them. scale of the houses? I mean, are they uh, like five feet high? Or yeah, they're they're about right. Um, okay, and so. Um, because we all know how tall hobbits are, right? Of course, you're right. Yeah, and right. so I have no idea. <laughs> it's a, I know they're it's a, small. They're diminutive. Right. Yeah, they're, they're small people. Smaller than a Gandalf, right? A Gandalf <laughs> is like a race that's yeah. Big. Gandalf- are they verdant? Are they verdant? Because uh, I've heard that word tossed around here a little bit. Um, but yeah, Gandalfs are, are taller than normal Gandalfs. Aragorns, as we know. <laughs> He's a wizard. Yeah. He's not what? a Gandalf. What's that? His name is Gandalf. Right? I'm not following it. <laughs> there, you got you your, your Frodo's and your, you got your, Ga- your, Gandalfs. your Gandalfs and your, and your Saruman's, if you're, you know, have which you, are the bad Gandalfs. Have you been to the, uh, the store? There's a store in my neighborhood on Miracle Mile, Wilshire, Mystic Alley? No. Uh, I have no, not. no, Whimsic. Whimsic Alley. Oh, even what? Yeah, yeah. It is a Whimsic Harry Potter and Twilight... Uh, themed store. I take oh, the man. bus on Wilshire. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm super mysterious on the podcast what my day job is, so I don't okay. want to give away too much. But I take the Wilshire bus to 720 every day, and I, I pass the uh, Whimsicality. Whimsicality. Now, this there. is something that it's just like, I, I, when it opened, I was like, I'll give it six months, you know, or until the last <laughs> Harry Potter movie comes out. Still going. Still <laughs> going strong. It's And it will, yeah. I mean, it's not going anywhere. Like, it is well, so... Because I guarantee you, I mean... In this city, where you know everybody's living out their childhood, um, including me, I've got my Riddler shelf over there. <laughs> yeah. I got it. Well, they um, have parties in there, private parties for kids, and and you know what? For until I realized that it was for children, part of me is like, because I didn't know that it was part of that. But uh, for my thirtieth uh, birthday, I was like, I like Harry Potter. Maybe we could do like an adult Harry Potter, not adult like porn, but like <laughs> like, a, like a grown up Harry Potter thing. And it's like, here's a place that does it. That sounds neat. And it's just like, hmm. Not merely is it for kids, uh, but also, like, just it's, like, they've got, like, cheap plastic 
things that yeah. uh, <laughs> as, as opposed to like when I go to Universal Studios uh, in Florida the yeah. next time whenever that might be I will absolutely go to the Wizarding World of Harry Potter where everything is to scale and you feel like you're actually in that world yes I realize what I'm saying is silly <laughs> oh I want to go so bad to uh, the Wizarding World of Harry Potter um now on, on on your podcast, you had people talk about. Uh, do you do you focus mostly on international travel? Do you and mostly international? But I've had uh, guys in there. There's certainly a lot of comics that have mm-hmm. traveled all over the states. You know, they have a million stories and stuff like that. But I try to do it. I'm always interested in places I haven't been, and, and you know, and uh, I love hearing about them, and I love hearing about new things and and stuff like that. So it just I I, I cast a wide net. As long as you got some good stories, I don't, I don't care. I don't yeah. care at all, really. But I, uh, I need to get some more international travel. Under it's my, my favorite thing to belt. do. I mean, it's really my. That's the one thing I uh, I go nuts on for myself. I've, I I've geek out all, on that. I've been all over the 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 continental states. I haven't been to Hawaii or Alaska, but uh, oh, really? The, the forty eight states I've been I've been all over. But I and I went to to Europe um, when I was younger. My passport has since expired. That's how long it's been. Uh, Ooh, we got to get a new one. I do have to get a new one. Ten I was years. Supposed to. Now you need it to go to, uh, just to go to Canada. Uh, yeah, apparently. Really? Um, oh yeah, ever since nine eleven, it's. Uh, oh yeah, all right. Yeah. But I, I went to I went to Mexico a few years ago without a passport. So I oh, guess, just driving over the border. Yeah, just to uh, not to Tijuana to uh, Tecate, where the Tecate factory is. Oh, oh. it was awesome. <laughs> Did you take the brewery tour? Uh, no, it was a it was a Sunday, or a Saturday or something. It was closed, but. Um, we just like drove down there and then happened to be like in the town square. There's like a big rodeo. And so it was a huge party. Like it was the most sort of uh, fortuitous, like spur of the moment drive down to Mexico. <laughs> yeah. For the rodeo. Was, Did, yeah. was there a bullfight happening? Uh, I think we got there like after the oh, actual was, stuff was done. It's got to be it gruesome. Was, yeah. I want to yeah, see would, one, but I don't. You I, know? don't yeah. Yeah. I so feel the same way. Yeah. And then I was supposed to, uh, oh, I alluded earlier to some financial problems. I was originally supposed to go to Thai, Thailand in April for Thai New Year, which oh, is kind wow. of a, a dream of mine to do. Thailand's uh, great. Uh, uh, not just Thailand in general, but, but Thai New Year. Um, it's a, uh, it's called Songkran. It's a water festival. And people oh, they squirt water the guns and stuff. I saw that. Yeah, yeah. Yes, I really want to go there for that. <laughs> David, <laughs> I can squirt water guns at you if you want, all right? <laughs> yeah, we, we can have a water balloon fight here. You know, I got a spray guys. bottle right over here for when Charlie's uh, giving me crap. So, uh-huh. uh, but, uh, so yeah, maybe someday I'll get enough international, international travel under my belt to... Uh, be able to contribute something. Well, Tyler's got some miles here. He, yeah. He's willing to loan you. So uh, you. slow down. Hang on. I'm still <laughs> going places. So not something I would have expected that you would be more traveled than I would. Because well, it is. A- it is very much a function of of my wife's business. She is a wedding photographer, and she keeps getting booked on these, uh, you know, out of the country. And so we just decide. All right, we'll kick in a little bit more money for my ticket and the hotel room's already paid for. And so it's it's, it's a it's nice fine. deal. So it's it's really great. Now it is one of those things like. There are a lot of places I want to go that I might never go to because, (laughs) you know, like, for example, next year, our big trip is Switzerland. Oh. I have nothing against Switzerland. Maybe not at the top of my list, but that's what next year's trip is going to be. No, I've actually been to Switzerland. What, um... I was just there last year. I was in Zurich, but... I was in Lucerne. We may wind up kind of being in Switzerland for the wedding that she's shooting and then maybe going to Germany or something like okay. that. Well, if you go to Switzerland, bring money. <laughs> well, that's... Uh, Zurich was nuts. I mean, it was the, probably the most... I was gone for three months last year and uh, that was, of all the cities I went to, it was probably the most expensive one of all of them that I hit. Interesting. Okay. I'll it's keep up there. that in mind. It's, 
that's when you realize, oh, the banks are winning. <laughs> you know, it's like that's all it's in they're Zurich. Gonna, they're going to be fine. It's the banker. The bankers are winning. They're when doing I, okay. When I was in, in Lucerne, we stayed up up in the mountains a little bit from the actual city at what was like a ski resort, but it was like late June. It was like the off season, so we pretty much had this hotel to ourselves. Yeah, and so we'd come down in the morning, and they'd have they had like a breakfast like. Um, weird Swiss breakfast, um, <laughs> sandwich meats and yeah, rolls yeah, and exactly. the coffee. Yeah. You know, uh, but if I said that, I'd be called an asshole. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess you. You know what? You've earned the right to say I, that because you eat mm-hmm. all, a lot of weird shit. I, I guess so. But it was like this whole, like the whole, like room that was there, like theoretically there to serve breakfast to everyone. There was just this group of us. Uh, mm. uh, it, it, it felt it, it felt like we were being waited on hand and foot. Was a, that was a that was an awesome awesome trip. Maybe maybe my favorite place in Europe that I went actually was. Lucerne. Did you go to Austria? No, I, I went. I've been. To, we went in one trip: uh, uh, London, Paris, Lucerne, Venice. Okay. And then we left for Milan, but we didn't really get to see Milan. But we go near there in the Alps. And if you go to Salzburg, you can take getting back to movies. You can go. Do, you can do the uh, Sound of Music tour. Oh, all cool. right. And they take you to all the spots, and then they play the which I. Eat that movie. Okay. <laughs> I never liked that movie. I don't know why. Maybe because my sister liked it as a kid, and she would like, and then I had to sing the songs and chorus or something as a kid. I only saw it for the first time like in the last couple of years. Really? And there, I like Christopher Plummer in it. I think. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I can't believe I. And Julie Andrews her. is Julie great. Andrews, thank you. I was like Julie Christie's not right, uh, and I do like that song Edelweiss. Yeah. I think that is a, it's a be- <laughs> it's a really beautiful song. Like, but I guess on this tour they just they, they just play it the music incessantly on the oh. bus oh. all day long and I, I don't think I, I couldn't have handled it yeah that I went on like, the salt mine tour instead <laughs> can you imagine like, I've, people... I've done high school theater yeah. already I've gone on the long bus trips I don't need this again can you imagine the guy who has to drive that bus and just listen oh every to... day oh that would be probably a high suicide rate <laughs> yeah that, that be... business that would be awful now uh, this will get us into our into our topic as to whether or not Salzburg is well captured well represented <laughs> by the sound of music and there's uh well, you guys came up with the topic and then told me about it. So okay. why don't I let one of you guys describe what we're going to be talking about here on the okay. show. So uh, knowing that Mike was going to be on, um, I, uh, I don't remember exactly what, what started this, but uh, I just thought he's, you know, we've already talked about like road movies and, and, you know, we try to incorporate it into like what your podcast is about and that sort of thing. <laughs> and then I thought, well, yeah, there's a lot of. And then I remembered when we had Matthias Stork on, who is a, 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 a German from, from Germany. And he, and we were asking, like, I don't remember if we asked this on the show, but we were asking, like, how is Germany represented on film? Are, do you feel that American film is fair to <laughs> Germany? I'd venture to say no. Yeah, he's coming from a different uh, <laughs> yeah. perspective, yeah. actually. And so, so I, I, I found that, uh, that idea interesting. And then when we had uh, Will Anderson, uh, Australian comic, on and we talked about like the way Australia is portrayed yeah. and, and that sort of thing. And so it just got me thinking about uh, just the various places that I've been and the places that you've been and David's been. And, you know, pick a place. There's probably been at least one or two movies shot either there or that take place there and thus are trying to represent that place. Even if those movies are not specifically about that place, there's a way to capture a flavor of a place. Um, and so this is, this is a little abstract, but I guess basically it was movies that capture the essence of where they take place. 
And so I thought uh, Mike was uniquely qualified to uh, <laughs> to speak to that because he's a, you know, he, he watches movies and he travels a lot. Well, let's get into so, it. So, so what's uh? Well, I know you had you used as an example uh, Boston with the yes. town and, yeah, and all those. I, the one that I the one that I picked because I've only been to I've only been to Boston uh, once, but and I'll tell the story again. It's been probably a year and a half since I told it. <laughs> uh, when I was in Boston, I was there. We were there for a wedding. Uh, the Jen was shooting, and so after uh, we shot the wedding, we spent the next day pretty much just kind of relaxing in our hotel room. It wasn't a particularly nice hotel, but it was really just one of those things where, like, because I helped her shoot that wedding, and uh, it it's exhausting shooting a, shooting a wedding. You're on your feet all day. And so we basically just slept all day long, and then it was about 3 in the afternoon, and Jen was still asleep, so I just, like, walked over to the desk, and I, like, pulled open the laptop and was just kind of on online. And uh, outside, because the the curtain was drawn, so I couldn't see what was happening out there, but I did hear something. And what I heard was Boston. (laughs) Not the band that I don't care for, but... Oh, that's a shame. The essence of the city, as I've been led to believe, uh, from movies like Gone Baby Gone and The Town and Goodwill Hunting and The Departed. And what I heard was somebody screaming, this is mid-afternoon, <laughs> somebody screaming at the top of their lungs. Here's what they yelled. They yelled, God damn it, fight me. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just... God damn it, fight me. <laughs> yeah, just someone angry that he wasn't fighting. And just, <laughs> and, and like, I, I, you know... Like somebody who thinks Santa Claus is on his roof, I rushed to the window to see what was going on, and I pulled open the curtain, and I couldn't see. I couldn't see what was happening. It's like, oh, it's two Irishmen beating the crap out. Oh, of Oh no each question. Other. That's hilarious. And so in that moment, I was like, I've only been here once. I'd love to come again. I thought I thought Boston was beautiful, but like in that, I, I was here just long enough to get kind of a Boston experience, and then suddenly, and also, you know, I walked around downtown and all that, and it was just, and we. Ate at a couple of uh, like pubs and, yeah, and all yeah. that. Uh, good chicken strips in Boston, by the way. Um, and uh, you saw Mark Wahlberg out there. Yeah, and he was just You're fighting. <laughs> I'm fighting, not you, not you, not you, not you. The fighter. There's another. Yeah, there one. you yeah. go. Um, and so, uh, so yeah, and it was just one of those things. So, of course, I can't speak with any real authority on Boston, but I feel like I got the flavor of the, of it, and I feel like Gone Baby Gone which is a, a film that takes place in Boston, but that story could ostensibly take place anywhere, but not really. Like, there's a scene that I love where Casey Affleck, who's not an intimidating person a, a, as an actor and as a screen presence, he's not very intimidating. He's got kind of a higher voice. He's kind of a scrawny type. But his character is from Boston. And he goes into this bar. Is asking oh, wait, questions. I know this one. He, and, and then he, okay, go ahead. He's asking, I know this scene. He's asking I was going to say this one. Yeah. He's asking questions of the locals, uh, which he is one of them. And they're all bigger than he is. And they all start getting a little angry that he's asking questions. Incidentally, none of them are in trouble. He's not right. asking questions about what But he's in their did. bar. He's in their bar, and he's asking, and questions, asking questions, damn it. And so they start to intimidate him. But he's from there, too. Yeah. And he's not, you know, he's not going to be intimidated <laughs> by these guys. And so he, like, pulls a gun and just, and in that moment, just like, you almost expect, I expected somebody to yell, God damn it, fight me. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's just that kind of thing. And that scene could have taken place in New York. It could, But there's something about the flavor of what you hear about Boston. It's just people with kind of, and I'm sorry if you're, if you're from Boston, this is merely <laughs> the impression that is put out there in film and on television. 
that it is a place with a chip on its shoulder. And in that and that bar scene absolutely shows that these guys have nothing to do with the case. Yeah. But you're talking you're you're asking questions. And Get then, the hell yeah, out of it here. was just a Southy thing, and then but you forgot my favorite part of that. You left out okay. the, he walks out of that, but you know it's just it's just escalating in there, picking on his girl. Yeah, and it just and finally he has he doesn't want to, but he has to pull out a gun. Yeah, and then he ends it. Okay, now we're leaving. He walks in, he kicks open the door. He's and it's daylight, of course, and they're drinking. <laughs> yeah. He kicks open the door. He walks out the street and he just looks at him. He goes, "Fuck!" <laughs> and he just like you know he's just like he he didn't want to do it, but uh-huh. he know he just like ah. He's trying to get better than this neighborhood, and he's uh-huh. just trying to like protect this girl. Doesn't want to be helped, yeah. and he just it just it just all comes out. I'm just like, fuck. There <laughs> there is a strange. If you look at and all, I felt that way so many times. There's bars I can go to back home in Chicago, and then I see the same five guys that I went to high school with, and it would just yeah, they would do the same thing, and they'll bring the Chicago right out of yeah. you. Yeah, just be like, hey, hey, you jag off, where you been? <laughs> And so, uh, so that so Boston was the example I wanted to use. I have I have a few others, uh, but I, I've been talking for a while. So, Mike, what do, you've got a list there, which is one well, of the reasons yeah. I enjoy having you on the show. You always prepare. <laughs> well, there's so. in Chicago uh, when I grew up in like the '70s and '80s, we were always excited if we saw anything that was shot in Chicago. You know, mm-hmm. like oh my god, they kind of got it. And the first thing that was like really big in my mind was. Uh, in my life that, that really hit me that was the Blues Brothers. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. that was it. Because we could pick out the neighborhoods and uh-huh. I remember the, the mall that they drove through was the Dixie Dixieland Mall which was like in the south side hmm. and it's still, I think, standing there empty. Oh, I mean, wow. it just closed and they reopened it to trash it. You know, so everything, you know, they turned on the lights of the signs. They, you know, put fake storefronts up. But yeah, they that was a big deal and they shot that and I remember some of the neighborhoods and, and when they went off the cliff uh-huh. or then they drove off the off ramp right. and somehow were dropping 3,000 feet. <laughs> and you're like, what? I don't know. There's... But you can see in the background, oh, there's McCormick Place. In the... uh-huh. And the other one was uh, Ferris Bueller. Mm. Was like, yeah, that yeah. was like a travelogue for downtown Chicago. They went to the Art Institute. They went to Wrigley Field. Yeah. They went down you know, State Street and... Yeah, yeah and then, well, um, it's like it was brought to you by the Chamber of Commerce. Yeah, it really was. <laughs> well, a couple of things. Uh, Blues Brothers also um, uh, is it Elwood, whichever one. Uh, anyway, the Joliet Prison. Yeah, which, that's Jake. Yeah, that's Jake. Okay, uh, Joliet Prison, which I think closed uh, what like fifteen years ago yeah. or so, but. Uh, any like American movie or TV show that takes place in a prison in the past fifteen years has shot at Joliet. Joliet, like, yeah, yeah. And David, like, I was Prison Break shot there. You were in. You I was were an extra, extra in, in Let's Go to Prison, Let's go to which prison. Was shot there. Oh, you, you were? Yeah, I was a White Kingdom member, which should tell you something <laughs> about my headshot <laughs> at the time. Um, um, but the other thing I wanted to uh, say that I've now forgotten. Oh yeah, okay. Uh, like real Chicago movies, and one thing in Ferris Bueller is it uh, incorporates the parade. The yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, which is the German parade. Uh, yeah, but the St. Patrick's <laughs> Day parade is in The Fugitive. And Damn The Fugitive right. is something that, Tyler, you had mentioned off-air as being... That is the one that I have written down. I, I like... I guess... W- the Fugitive could have taken place in New York. It could have. It could have taken place almost anywhere. Mm-hmm. I kind of like the idea that it would take place in, like, Pittsburgh or something. You know, But it takes place in Chicago, and as a result, it winds up sort of embracing the flavor of Chicago. You know, it's not like he go it's not like he gets chased to the top of the Sears Tower or something, but like, <laughs> you know, he's on the L. He uh there's a St. Patrick's Day parade. But then one of my favorite things, it sound it's going to sound weird, but I, I this is when I was describing the the topic to my wife, she wanted an example and this is what I thought of. There's a scene when th- 
everyone is under the impression that Richard Kimball has killed a cop. And so one of the U.S. Marshals says, CPD will eat him alive. (laughs) And that's the thing. I don't know. Like, I've lived in Chicago. I was never harassed by the police. But there is a certain expectation of Chicago cops Mm -hmm. that they are either horrifically corrupt or, at the very least, excessively violent. (laughs) And so now, of course... It could have been NYPD. It and they're all. L- it could have been LAPD. And to, not to generalize, but they're all racist. They are absolutely yeah, because yeah, they all come from that pocket of the South Side that's still white. And that, yeah. Like, well, yeah. Well, they have to live in the city. Like city workers have to live within the city. Mm-hmm. So you get like fire. There's like certain neighborhoods where it's like all of a sudden these pockets of all white and they're fire firemen. Cops, uh-huh. yeah. city workers, you know, yeah. and all and like, sort of like uh, for people who don't know, I know this has been said on other uh, across the world, but Chicago of modern metropolises, Chicago is the most segregated. It's very segregated. It's yeah. it's. I was there. But I, most I, cities I, are I lived though. There, but I, I just I, I lived there for four years, and Boston I was, is very. And, and I was there oh, yeah. again. I, yeah, I haven't been to Boston, and it just really struck me when you ride. You ride the, the, the red line south from, say, Addison, and, yeah. it's, and it just, at the further south you go, the darker the sort of people on the train yeah. get. Oh, yeah, it's, yeah, it, yeah. It, it, it's, and, it's and, really and especially on the south side, those lines were, like, defined. Like, uh, you know, I grew up south of the city, and, and it was, uh, you know, it's like they don't come this side of 95th Street, and then they know not yeah. to come that side of Western Avenue. Uh-huh. It was, like, that defined. And um, it, was, it was weird. <laughs> it was just... And that that's but the battle lines yeah. were drawn. So, like, there's just in saying, like, like the, if if it had take if it had taken place in Pittsburgh or Cleveland or something like that, and it's just like Cleveland PD will eat the, eat him alive. It's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. they're, they're pretty polite, but there's something about like, oh shit. It's one thing when he's merely a criminal. It's another thing when he's an escaped criminal. <laughs> but now, now the Chicago Police Department has a vendetta. Right. God help this man. Um, <laughs> like it's not merely that he's fighting criminals now. Now he's got these. Yeah. Well, you know, real quick, uh, I want to tell a story about uh, Chicago cop that I okay. rather got along with. Um, I lived there for four years, as I mentioned. Uh, about two years in, I got a car. I had a car in Chicago, and I didn't have that car for more than two weeks. I got pulled over making an illegal left on Lincoln because um, uh, I didn't realize I couldn't make a left. Anyway. Uh, I, I got pulled over. It was the first time I got pulled over in Chicago. First of a few times, actually. And I always managed to get out of it. I never got a ticket in Chicago. Um, but anyway. Uh, well, you were white. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's part of it. Uh, and then I was also the manager of a video store at the, at, at the time. And uh, about a week after my getting pulled over for that illegal left on Lincoln, uh, we, had a, we got robbed. We had a shoplifter. And so we called the cops. And this would happen from time to time. And so they'd send a couple cops into it take our like report and the woman who came in was the cop who pulled me over and for some reason i got so excited that i was like hey you remember me to, like a week ago a legal left on lincoln and she remembered me and she that like she was clearly like why are you so excited about this it was a very exciting well, because moment. she's on your side now <laughs> right yeah right. she's fighting for you um and because she didn't give me a ticket yeah. uh but anyway what i wanted to talk about uh, another movie if we can move on from the fugitive but another chicago movie so we're talking about these pockets on the south side that are that are white, even though the south side yeah. is mostly black. Um, the Cabrini Green Cabrini Green project was north. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. West not, side, not right? Right. North. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, Cabrini Green, the but the, it was in a great neighborhood. I mean, the land underneath it was 
is valuable, and so they and they worked for years to try to get them out, and, and now they've succeeded is, uh, for the most part. That is actually mentioned in a movie. People don't think of this as being a very, I guess, <laughs> rich or socially uh, uh, relevant movie, but Candyman, which is actually a oh. brilliant. Uh, I that movie was a movie I liked as a kid, and I have this like thing about like movies I liked as a kid like Willow or something you know that I watch again and I realize it's terrible but Candyman was a movie I liked when I was like too young to probably have seen it watched it again as an adult and found out it's even better than I remember Candyman is actually an awesome that movie. takes place there and it takes place in Cabrini Green oh I didn't know that uh, and they actually shot it there um, and that, that is actually part of the 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 story like the how great a view you have from the top yeah, floor yeah. of Cabrini Green and, and the way that it is um so they, yeah, they they weave in this idea of the of the corruption and wanting and and letting Cabrini Green become. For those who don't know, Cabrini Green is uh, was one of uh, in yeah, in the seventies and eighties. It, it was the most notorious housing project probably in the in probably the, the nation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, a very violent place where cops just uh, didn't go and, and, and it had gone to seed, and that's where they actually shot Candyman, uh, and that was ninety three. So uh, right at the tail end of it, and they actually weave in this the the idea of the, that it's being let go to seed so that they can. Uh, tear it down and put up the high-rise, right. you know, y- yuppie housing that they <laughs> that they have now. Yeah, the, yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> that's um, interesting. Anyway, that's a great movie, and you know what? Another horror movie, not as good a horror movie, but I always felt that Child's Play actually felt like Chicago in the winter. Hmm. Uh, I, I don't know when the last time you saw it was, but um, yeah, I don't remember. It did. You could take a random scene from Child's Play before it starts, before Chris Randon starts like over overacting, uh, and think like that's a shot from The Fugitive because it is very much that sort of like like near South Side, you know, L tracks and those weird like the weird like grassy alleys underneath the L tracks that end up getting piled up with people's garbage and then snow falls on them. <laughs> you can can you picture this like oh, yeah. part of yeah, Chicago? Yeah. That's what Child's Play looks like, and yeah. so that it feels like a Chicago movie to me, even though it's not a good movie. The other it, one was a big uh, about last night was a, was another I one that was uh, that's, yes. you never saw that. No, I know it's yeah. it's, it's sexu- based, sexual perversity in Chicago. Yeah, the, the mammoth play. So yeah, it's, yeah, it's totally, and yeah. of course, uh, I mean they play softball in Grant Park. You know, yeah. they they go to the bar underneath the L tracks right on. Uh, in Lincoln Park, that's still there. Oh my God, I can't remember the name of it. But yeah, and then and they're Jim on Belushi Rush Street. Is and Jim Belushi. Jim Belushi is Jim Belushi. Yeah. But that he was great in that movie. He's very, very good. Yeah, that's the one that kind of put him on the map, made him a star. Yeah, and then he was in Red Heat, which also took place in <laughs> Chicago with uh, with Arnold Schwarzenegger as a Russian, and he does not do a Russian accent. Um, <laughs> now I want to get into international stuff oh, okay. in a minute, but first I want to talk about my. Uh, outside of the places that I've lived and have come to love, my favorite place to visit in the United States is New Orleans. Um, and a lot of movies are shot there because Louisiana has made it very uh, cheap to shoot movies in Louisiana. So yeah. a lot of movies take... So especially in the... Like post-Katrina, just like there's a lot of stuff, like stuff you don't even realize is shot there. And so there's sort of like... There's three sort of categories you can put these, these New Orleans movies into. The ones that go out of their way to not make it look like New Orleans at all. Mm-hmm. You know, like, uh, I didn't see... What was the Ryan Reynolds superhero movie? The Green something? Green Lantern? Green, Green Lantern. Lantern. Okay. That was shot in New Orleans. Oh. And they shot... Really? Uh, they shot entirely in, like, the CBD, the Central Business District, which is the... They shoot a lot in Shreveport, too. I was yeah, shooting yeah. for HGTV down there, and there yeah. was all these crews coming in from Dallas and stuff because they were doing so much shooting in Louisiana. Yeah. Um, and the, the, But the CBD, which is just, um, I guess, uh, west of Canal Street um, in New Orleans, is the part that most of it 
you know, as long as you're not shooting like Charlie cars and stuff, could sub in for other mm-hmm. cities. Uh, the other camp is the movies like I don't know. Hopefully, no one besides me saw um, the Kate Hudson vehicle, little bit, little bit of heaven. Ugh. It was horrible. I had to see it and, and review it. Uh, you can find my review on, on <laughs> bat- BattleshipRetention.com. Favorable or not? Non-favorable. Okay. And that's a movie that like, like tips cheesily into like trying to be New Orleans. You yeah. Know? Um, just way too many just beads everywhere. Even though that's true, they're actually like any time of year you go to New Orleans, there really are like Mardi Gras beads everywhere still, because um, <laughs> they don't take them out of the trees. Like I was there and like the first time I went was in September, and there's Mardi Gras beads hanging from like the telephone wires, and, and I'm like, right. well, why is it up there? It's like, oh, that's from that's from Mardi Gras it's from the parades. Um, let, let the good times roll, David. That's what yeah. I'd say. Uh, I did have one uh, New Orleans movie. Uh, what yeah. is what is it? The Big Easy. I, that's, oh, I love which that I have movie. not seen. Oh, you haven't seen them? No, I haven't. Oh, with uh, Dennis Quaid? Yeah. Yeah. And, and it spawned uh, a show. Ellen Barkin. Yeah. And Ned Beatty. Um, yes. Ned Beatty? Ned Beatty, sure. Yeah. And it sparked a, uh, a short-lived uh, USA series. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, we can get into New Orleans movies in a second, because there's a bunch of them. But I want to talk about the third camp, which is, uh, I'm actually going to bring up a movie that's not very good, also from this year, okay. uh, called Contraband, starring Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> uh, not a very good movie, but actually, like takes place in new orleans and i'm sure maybe new orleans residents will disagree about what it got right or but but to me it actually like it didn't try to lay it on too thick but it also didn't try to ignore that it was new orleans it's sort of like your thing about um fugitive it could have taken place uh although i guess contraband has to take place in a port city so it could have taken place in any port city in the country but they shot in new orleans and so they said it decided to sort of adopt some of the things and actually make it look like new orleans and and for all the things i didn't like about that movie uh i i did like that and they also shot uh, the other part of the story takes place in panama uh and they went on location to shoot in panama which i respect uh so you're saying i should see contraband (laughs) i don't know if you're a fan of new orleans or or panama city i've never been to panama city but Mm -hmm. uh uh I, I I I guess I just respect. I guess this ties into the topic. I respect actual location shooting, um, mm-hmm. uh, not not just like going to the location where the thing is going to take place, but like. Uh, uh, one of my favorite action movies is Point Break, uh, but there's a thing that bothers me. Hundred <laughs> percent pure adrenaline, man. <laughs> yeah, but it bothers me that they rob a bank that is clearly in downtown, <sighs> and then on foot within five minutes. They're in Venice. Yeah, it, 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 like it bothers me when I watch the movie. That but, bothered me a little bit from the uh, the Blues Brothers, uh-huh. but because they were like outside of Milwaukee, which is like ninety miles from uh-huh. Chicago, <laughs> and it took them all night to drive, and they're hauling yeah. ass. They too. even specify it's hundred and six miles. Hundred six miles. You're driving hundred miles an hour. Yeah, it and goes then, from dark to light. Yeah, and then it's it was, like two a.m. Yeah. And then it's. It, like mid afternoon, <laughs> yeah. It's, People going to work in the Daily Plaza, <laughs> yeah. but then I realized, like, well, also there's this magic car. Yeah, and people burst into. Maybe it did I should take be. kind of a circuitous route, <laughs> outrunning Illinois Nazis. There you go. Uh, any other New Orleans movies on, that you wanted to? No, I don't. There's well, I did down by specifically. Law. Oh, down by law. That's right. One. Down by law. I had a Jarmish movie, but it was a Florida. Th- the uh, Stranger Than Paradise. Oh yeah. Oh right. And that's Florida, and well, that's all over the place. Yeah, it's a, kind of a road yeah. trip movie. Because yeah. they go to Cleveland. I have right? a Cleveland movie, American Splendor. Oh yeah, I have it, which is just kind of gets because I've been to Cleveland and I've worked Cleveland, and it's uh-huh. just really depressing. <laughs> and they just they just got and nailed it, nailed it. And I don't think that would work in in another 
just I mean, could work in another like a Pittsburgh or something, just kind of a dying city, and he's yeah. dying, and it just like slowly, you know, and yeah. and just gray. It's always gray. You never saw the sun in that movie. It was yeah, just, yeah, and yeah, it was very much like my experiences in Cleveland. Yeah. yeah, just muted colors and just it all just kind of wrapped up Cleveland. <laughs> and he always never felt like you know he would fly to. He flew to New York and he would do Letterman, but then he would be back in Cleveland and he just he was, and he was proud to be from there, but angry as well, which I found in the people too. Um, There's and that's you know to go back to uh, Jim Jarmusch, like he he really like tries to celebrate whatever city he his films take place mm-hmm. in, like you know Memphis and uh, Mystery Train and, but at the same, he celebrates them. He has a love for them, but he also I think has a desire to show them as they are, which mm-hmm. often means. As they are in a Jim Jarmusch film, exactly. which is, I think we talked which about is this. lonely and, uh, when, when and a we, little sad. When we did our episode about Jim Jarmusch, we yeah. talked about the shot. One of my favorite shots in Mystery Train about the uh, with the Japanese couple when they're walking around. There's a part where they walk, and there's an empty lot between. You're seeing all this like low, like all buildings that were clearly built in the in the 20s to the 40s. You know, in this this certain neighborhood of Memphis, and that's all you've seen of Memphis the entire movie. Uh, and they're and they're walking around, and you know, there's. Uh, uh, you know the what's the what's the recording studio in Memphis that people go to? Sun, Sun Records. Uh, Sun Records, like the, yeah, you see, you see that that kind of stuff. And there's a part where they're walking around, and then they come to the empty lot, and you see behind them the the skyline of like modern 1980s Memphis. And you realize <laughs> yeah. like, oh right, Memphis doesn't just look the way it looks in yeah. Jarmus's head. <laughs> just a place where everyone <laughs> wants to die. Um, and and what I one thing that I love, I never really. Uh, thought about this until i rewatched uh stranger than paradise you mentioned you know a good portion of it takes place in florida and uh, i think i think they start in new york then they go to i think cleveland and then they go to florida but it's not like the pretty glamorous south beach kind of florida it's that right. sticky south and they shot it in black and white and yeah. so really snow-covered depressing ass cleveland doesn't look that different because then the Florida sand, can yeah. be very depressing as well. Oh yeah, and then like this, the sand of a Florida beach doesn't look that different than a snow than yeah. like Lakeside uh, covered in <laughs> snow in Cleveland. And I love that because it's kind of again there might there's a certain maybe a certain cynicism to Jim Jarmusch, but I I know that he loves everybody he's making movies about. But there's also just this idea. It's like doesn't matter where you go, everything sucks. Like, yeah, that's, yeah. Kind of, that's the vibe I get from that movie. <laughs> Yeah, there's a, another Florida thing I had was this movie uh, called Ruby in Paradise. I don't know if you with the uh, never seen it. It's uh, from '93. Is a movie that kind of made Ashley Judd a star. Okay, it was an independent movie, and, and it was basically a road. She was running out of. She grew up in a trailer in Tennessee somewhere, and made it down to like the Panhandle of Florida, in one of these like beach towns, like you know, a Panama City or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And it's off season, and she gets a job and a souvenir thing is basically just a coming of age she's like leaving her past behind but on the they really kind of nailed it this cheesy awful t- just t-shirt shops <laughs> and it's just a lonely and it's off season so it's just kind of a lonely desolate kind of place but to her it's paradise compared to where she's at right. where she's from so I, I just think they just kind of nailed the, the just the feel of it and how quiet and just kind of ugly it is <laughs> just these awful signs and these cheap motels and, and just but to her it's this amazing place so much better 
that like to us it would be a hellhole to get yeah. stuck in, but from where she's coming from, she loves it. And that actually, uh, I'll use that to transition into uh, Las Vegas. Um, oh, because I, there is something I like the idea of. Because when you think of something like Las Vegas, which I've only been there once when I was a kid, and I, my brother and I just you haven't been there of, as an adult. I've never no, been there in my life. You're I kidding? Don't, I don't I drink, and it's I'm four and a half hours that way. I know. I don't <laughs> drink, and my wife is convinced that I might have a gambling problem, even though oh, I don't gamble. Really? Yeah. It just I, because I, years ago, I had said I I absolutely understand why somebody would gamble their life away, <laughs> <laughs> and I gave what I thought was a pretty good defense. I was like, I don't think it's a good idea. I'm just saying I understand it. This idea of, it's like, yes, I've lost a lot of money, but one more hand, I could get it all back. So and you get the excitement hand, of the whole thing. You yeah, understand it. Ex- absolutely. Okay. And so, like, uh, at some point, so there is a, uh, we're going to this resort in Dominican Republic, and there is a uh, casino. Sure. And, and I was like, hey, let's go to the casino. And she's like, that's probably a bad idea. I was like, how about this? 20 bucks. <laughs> if, when I lose my 20 bucks, it's over. And she's like, all right, fine. I'm like, all right, here we go. 20 bucks. <laughs> you know, I'm going to lose it on one takes your hand. ATM card and your wallet, you know, <laughs> yeah. it just yeah. gives you an allowance and you're yeah. fine. You know? Yeah, yeah. I've got, you know, I've got my vices, but gambling is not one of them. When I go to the, uh, the Indian casinos, which I do, I'll probably mm-hmm. be going to uh, Pachanga in a, in a week or two, actually. Um, yeah, I go in with a certain amount of money. I don't go to the ATM after that. If I go yeah. up a little bit, I'm, that's good. If I lose the amount I went in, that's what I plan to lose. And... Uh, I'm that's like, that's the way you got to see it. Yeah. When but I've wa- worked Vegas like a lot, you know, yeah. and it's, you know, Vegas is good for at, at the most, you know, two days tops. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you go in there, you have your fun and you get the hell out yeah. because you know, we would work you know, sometimes six, seven days. You know, you work the whole week and by the fifth day you want to blow your brains out. It's just like, you know, you got to walk through the hotel every day. <laughs> is that ringing you know, slobbing, ding, 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 and you just like hung over. You start staying up later and later and later. You become a vampire <laughs> because during the day, Vegas is hideously ugly. I don't know. If, <laughs> you know, it's beautiful at night. It's magic at night. I remember we had to shoot there for my TBS show back there. We was shooting on uh, this mega suite in uh, Caesar's Palace. Mm-hmm. So they gave us this you know beautiful balcony overlooking the uh, the Strip. And uh, we were shooting there during the day. And we realized, we looked at the footage, the city looks awful during the day. <laughs> awful. And we're like, well, we can't shoot during the day. We got to sh- wait till night. And then at night, amazing. Looks great. But oh, want, during the day. You want people to be happy it's that hideous. we're here. It's hideous during the day. And that's, really- and that's why a movie like Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, as crazy as it is. See, I love that book. How did you think he took the... I read the book after I saw the movie. It's I think- one of those hard, hard, hard to shoot books. Very much so. I think he did as good a job as you can. I think he was. Uh, I think he was uh, committed to making making the movie both somewhat magical and hideous. Yeah, yeah. I and think he made as much as as much as much drug use as there is in both. I feel like the movie is more a drug movie than the book is a drug book. Yeah, like, I, I agree. think the, there's a there's a sort of uh, metaphor about the the you know death of the whatever hippie culture whatever that I, I think the American dream yeah <laughs> that Terry Gilliam certainly includes in the movie but I think is throughout the book whereas I think Terry Gilliam's um, 
impetus for making the movie was like let's try and capture what drug use uh, like hallucinogenic use is like in both its magical and its hideous yeah, forms I do that's think, why I think yeah. it's a successful movie that I don't enjoy watching and probably won't return to very often <laughs> yeah, the, the book I think is about a state of mind and maybe a philosophy whereas I think the, the movie is more like how did they get to that state of mind I want to show <laughs> yeah. that actually that movie I remember seeing it in the theater and being disappointed because I liked the book so much but yet, when I see it on cable, Layden, I watch the whole damn thing yeah. every time. <laughs> yeah, it sucks me prob- in every time. I've seen it probably three times. Yeah. Uh, that's way too many times. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I, I saw it first in the theater with my dad, um, which is not a yeah. good idea. Uh, and then years later, it came out on, not years later, probably the next year, uh, <laughs> it came out on, uh, on video. And I remember I was like, sick with a cold and I was doped up on cold medicine and it had just come out and so my mom was like hey I'm going to the video store do you want me to get something I was like hey could you get fear oh don't watch that movie on cold medicine or maybe do cold uh, medicine and so like this is uh, the strongest drug tri- Tyler's ever taken by the way. no no when I had kidney stones I took Vicodin oh there you and, go and uh now we're talking. <laughs> yeah. But it's... Pop it's in that movie. <laughs> exactly right. It's like, this movie's pretty chill Hey, now. well, right. But, uh, but it's one of those things where, like, I think it does capture, while, of course, there's the ugliness of the drug thing, I think it captures just... I, I mean, I, I was in Vegas as a kid. I was 10. Yeah. So you're walking down, you're walking down the strip, even with you, though you're with your parents, and you don't even, t- you don't totally understand the idea of, like, legalized prostitution. and get, <laughs> You don't really understand it. But, like, it was so surreal... And when they're walking through Circus Circus, I walked through that with my family thinking it was going to be fun like a circus. I guess I'd never been to one. But then you walk in and she's like, this is just, it's just kind of creepy and depressing. <laughs> but it, Like the town itself. It, like the town itself. And then the scene with uh, Ellen Barkin, actually, yeah. uh, as the waitress in the not glamorous part of Vegas. I remember we drove through, through that. Um, I think just to get somewhere else, obviously. And, uh, and it just kind of had that quality to it. I like, I, I like that the film, I feel like it captures that place precisely because it's not oceans 11. It's not trying yeah. to capture only glamor. It's trying to look at Do you know, the other side of the glamor and the part of the city that's, that's not glamorous. At or all. leaving Las Vegas is another one. <laughs> Do you know what oh, I yeah. liked again? And not having been to Las Vegas, but you mentioned the oceans 11 thing. I thought the hangover actually like shot at the locations that an Ocean, Ocean's Eleven would, but made them, by shooting in the daytime, made them look mostly kind of gross. Yeah. yeah. I, <laughs> the harsh light of day. I actually think that's a really well-photographed movie, yeah. especially for a comedy, which you don't you don't normally see that level of or thought put into cinematography. I really like the I, way I, that movie looks. I actually did a half marathon in Vegas a few years ago, and the worst way, it's, a, it's on a Sunday morning, and we would, I think it starts about 7 o'clock in the morning. So we had to line up at about 5 in the morning to, to go, and there's like you know, 20,000 people or something running this thing and you know it's a sunday morning in vegas so i'm going down this you run down the strip and you leave the strip into the, like the the other vegas <laughs> and it's and you see people coming out of bars They're, they haven't gone to bed all night oh, wow. so there's people with beers who've been up all night watching these people go by <laughs> it's the weirdest scene you're just jogging hi good morning they're just oh just people doing shots while we were going eight in the morning and you're just going oh you had a rough night <laughs> that was the hardest part about doing it like being in vegas on a saturday night and we had to be like going to bed early and before the race that was the hardest thing uh real quick another thing um before we move on, we didn't just spend all this time on Vegas. But <laughs> as the three of us living in 
Los Angeles, especially, I, I don't know what part of Los Angeles you live in, but living in the Valley as we do. Uh, when you watch, I live near Whimsic Alley. I don't know if uh, <laughs> I mentioned that. Uh, when now, right, I, when I, I did want to be, I, I did not mention this beforehand, but I kind of liked the idea of us venturing out into the world and then coming right back home and talking about Los oh, Angeles. Okay. But no, I want to talk about La, uh, Las Vegas. I want to talk about okay. CSI. Oh, okay. And I don't know how much you've, you've watched. Uh, none. But, um, yeah, me uh, either. Okay, but... It's really distracting to me knowing the valley and knowing they shoot it here. how much just recognizing, like, I know where that hotel Dexter is. Dexter as well. It's supposed to be Miami. and it's I know Long the- Beach. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the Office, which, here's the thing. Supposed Miami, to be Pennsylvania? Like, yeah. Scranton? Like, at least, the, like, both of those are supposed to be, you know, Miami, Vegas. They're, like, kind of hot and sunny yeah. places. <laughs> Scranton, Pennsylvania. Uh, there's a scene that takes a lot of it takes they shoot it in the valley because the valley could, could aside from the palm trees sub in for almost anywhere but uh, there's a place just up on Sherman Way where I've gone called the Hungry Fox and like they have an external shot Hungry Fox it's right there and then they cut inside and there's a uh, character's eating <laughs> and I was like you're disregarding an entire section of a huge city when you say it's the Hungry Fox it's on Sherman like it's yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, was, what was it? There was a um, a Jackie Chan movie, and I can't remember which was like the big Shanghai Noon. No, no the big something. Rumble in the Bronx is that the one? You're yeah, Rumble of? in the Bronx. Supposed to be in New York, <laughs> and he's Vancouver. like in bed. You get so obviously Vancouver. It's like this <laughs> snow capped mountains, and the you know he's water skiing in a bay. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I've been to the Bronx. That is nowhere near, not even close. And not that's something close. that bothers me about it. Doesn't you know what? It, it looks it looks fine, but there's something that inherently to go back to Chicago, something that bothers me about the movie Chicago being shot in Toronto. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. it passes. I, if you, like, Toronto passes for, like, a lot of things. Yeah, it's supposed but, to double uh, for New York all the yeah. time. And so it's like, okay, that's fine. But just part of me is like, you're making movie in which characters like, hey, that's Chicago. It's like, no, it's not. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I understand there's probably a better tax situation if you shoot in Toronto, but, like, pony up the extra money and shoot where you where you're trying to make a movie about the spirit of yeah but whatever that's just a philo- uh, philosophical thing for well me. let's let's leave the states for a second okay, okay. not too far i want to go uh to mexico city here um, okay. and talk about two movies um we talked recently we did an episode on tony scott we talked about man on fire oh yeah um which shot in mexico city and i think tony scott fittingly for the movie he, the story he was telling went out of his way to make mexico city look as exotic and as different from the u.s as possible because it's you know to make this basically dakota fanning this american little white girl you know being kidnapped there it's 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 supposed to be a strange a strange world um now i've never been to mexico city but i always think of another movie that takes place uh, in and around there um and then becomes a, ro- a road movie after that but uh Itum mama tambien yeah i was gonna say that one which i, I what i like about that movie is that it recognizes like mexico city is not that far from the u.s and these are middle class to upper middle class kids who live in essentially the suburbs that is indistinguishable from any suburb of san diego or any other place mm-hmm. in in this part of uh of the world uh, and i really like that that f- even though i haven't been to mexico city that felt very real and honest to me that it's not just about the slums and corrupt cops and stuff oh, yeah oh there's some elsewhere. big money there i mean there's, yeah. there's there's people with a lot of money there's rich neighborhoods in every city mm-hmm. you know that five percent you know what what's there's rich people in every country that I've ever been. But uh, what's missing in a lot of the countries is the middle class. There's no middle class. You know, mm-hmm. like um, yeah. Brazil is another, 
you know, I've seen these when they talk about the shrinking middle class in this country. You know, I've seen these countries where there is no little to no middle class and you don't really want to live that way. Mm. You know, it's not you don't just live in a gated community. You live. It's like 10 foot high fence, electric wire on, you know, I had uh, a boss in 24 hour security. Um, I wish you remember what city, but he was from India. I know India is enormous, and I should be able to oh, pin it down. Yeah. But he was from a very wealthy family. He talked about living in a place like that with walls and everything. But still, sometimes he would wake up and find a monkey on his balcony. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like something out of Indiana Jones. Um, now, we'll, uh, I'm sure you've got some stuff to say about uh, Mexico. You've gone to uh, several places. I haven't been there? to too many places in okay. Mexico. I've been, um, well, I have been to India. Yeah. Though, and, um, you know, Slumdog Millionaire, you know, that had just come out like the year before I went there. Uh-huh. And I remember going to the places where uh, I've been to the, to the main train station uh-huh. where that was uh, where he lost, got lost there, and um, the, where he loses his mother, okay. where his mother's killed. Yeah. It's a certain part of this slum where the uh, they do the laundry for like the city. And it's just, wow. and that's where she, that's what she does. And it's these pits, and you can stand over it and see it. And it's huge. It's it's awful. And they really got that. I mean, it's still, India is still the worst poverty I've ever seen yeah. in the world, and just the worst conditions of. And I've seen some pretty, you know, I've been through Cambodia and, and places like that. But uh, yeah, it's still so they, as disgusting as it looked, uh, there's a lot of that. That's true. Now, doesn't it's been a while since I've seen it, but doesn't uh, Darjeeling Limited go through? I believe that goes through through India, but like they they tend to focus in that film on like the more beautiful and there's beautiful, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, India is massive. I mean, there's uh, there's it's a, I, I always say it's amazing good and amazing bad. You know, mm-hmm. there, there's some. We got out into the country. It was it was great. You yeah. know, and uh, there's a lot of it I didn't see, but uh, the cities it's it's overwhelming. It can be. And I'm a city kind of guy. I like cities, but uh, those are somewhere. I was walking around for 10 minutes, and I was like, I, I can go back to the hotel now. <laughs> and you just got to decompress because it's just sensory overload. You know, it's just, it's not just traffic. Just imagine being in traffic and just, okay, there's cars, trucks, and buses. Uh-huh. But add on top of that, people going in and out, motorbikes zipping in and out, uh, horses drawing a, a cart, a camel cows sitting in the middle of the road that you have to go around and, I watch and the amazing race I stray know dogs <laughs> it's, it's insane and all everybody laying on the horn and just the smells and the it's just uh it's in your face it really is are there any movies you and a billion than... people <laughs> you just yeah. wrap your head about that a billion people other than slumdog millionaire are, are there any movies that come to mind about uh about india i'm trying to think I know that well. There was that documentary, Born into Brothels. Um, yeah, that was that was interesting. Uh, I saw I, the f- in film school. Didn't we watch the first of the uh, the Apu trilogy? Sure, sure. Patrick so, Panchali, yeah, directed by Sadia. Oh, I didn't Gray. see that one. Yeah, um, I can't remember the other two from the I Apu trilogy. But yeah, he, it was that was in the 1950s. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, great. But in terms of people, though, in the reverse, you go to Australia. Mm-hmm. And there's nobody. It's a massive country, and there's nobody in it. There's like 23 million people in Australia. There's more people in California. Uh-huh. I mean, there's just nobody there. So it just so I looked at. Uh, I was trying to think of movies that really showed like the beauty of Australia, and I uh, came up with. Let's see. Well, there's one. There's a movie from the 70s called Walkabout. One of my favorite movies of all. Oh, time. you know it. Oh yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. That's a great movie. It was uh, Nicholas Rowe. Yeah. Yeah. I'm surprised you know that one. Oh, I yeah, I I, I like his uh, his work, and I I am a big fan of that movie. Yeah, 
Do you know what it's about? Uh, well, I, uh, I think I, is it based on a book? Because I think I read the book in seventh grade. I don't I, know. I read a book called Walkabout, and then, oh, like, in the book, they had, like, stills from, like, the movie or something like oh, that. Oh, yeah, so, this is about, it was. Uh, a, like, I don't know if it's Sydney or Melbourne or whatever, but it's, uh, they, this family lives in the, in the city. Mm-hmm. They go out. The dad takes the uh, his his daughter and, and young, very young son out for a picnic um, in like the outback or the edge of the outback. And then um, uh, I guess this is a spoiler, but it happens pretty early on in the movie. Then he tries to kill them, his kids, hmm. and then kills himself. Like lights the car on fire and kills himself. Hmm. So they're str- it's they're stranded in the outback. So it's an old it's it's like a, an older daughter, younger yeah. son, and then they yeah. meet uh, an aboriginal yeah, aboriginal boy. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Book? yeah, yeah okay. I read it. Uh, but I didn't see the movie. But the scenery in that is just, and just the vastness of it mm-hmm. is, uh, and, and to an extent, uh, Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, showed a little bit of that. <laughs> but yeah, I love it. And Walkabout, they they come to like an oasis, uh, and they and they think like, oh great, we can like set up camp here, and they drink and they set up camp, and they wake up and it's completely dry. Yeah, it just it, it just like went away uh, in, in, in twelve hours. Uh, that's a, it's a pretty it's a terrifying movie in some ways. You know the idea of being lost. Out now there. I, I've not been to Australia, so I can't speak. I know that this movie was shot there, but did you ever see the Proposition? No. Oh one, my god! Who's that? It is uh, John Hillcoat who went on to direct The Road <coughs> and Lawless, and it's got Guy Pearce and Ray Winstone. It was written by Nick Cave. Oh and it's, yeah, it's like a western. It takes okay. place in the eighteen sixties, I think, in in Australia. And uh, the movie is beautiful and just, just horrendous. I mean, it just like, <laughs> just you, it's one of the, Dave and I talk about uh, something that we really like when a movie does is when it really does a good job of conveying cold or extreme heat. Mm-hmm. And that is a movie that, ex- that shows extreme heat, just people just sweating all the time. <laughs> you just know that every character just reeks. Oh yeah. Um, and, uh, and it's just, it's just one of those things where, like, as ugly as the film is, it's still shot in a beautiful way. And it does make it, it kind of made me want to go to Australia because it's just like it, it just seems so almost otherworldly, for lack of a better term. Yeah, um, it was so much of it is just uh, it's inhospitable. I mean, that's that's why nobody lives in it. <laughs> and it's just it, it's a hard, hard land, but yeah. uh, amazing to look at. Yeah. Amazing. You should see the proposition. It's good stuff. All right, it's my favorite movie it. of uh, 2006. Yeah, the other scenery one from that I had one called the, the Man from Snowy River. No, you ever see oh, that? Oh yeah, one? I grew up with that movie. Yeah, yeah, that was a beautiful, beautiful yeah. shot movie. And then of course the Mad Max trilogy. <laughs> uh-huh. That really captures. The yeah, it captures the essence of you know just bands of uh, you know hordes of uh, gangs on with face paint. Oh, that's good stuff. <laughs> now I want to ask you where else you've. You've been what are there like uh Africa? Have you seen any have you been to I've only Africa? been I've only been to South Africa. Okay. I would love to get uh higher up into uh one of my next trips I really want to do is I want to do a Kilimanjaro no. and go to Tanzania and Kenya and all that stuff and uh a friend had just came back from Rwanda where she went to the uh saw the silverback gorillas up there and she said it's 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 amazing. Hmm. It's amazing. But uh apparently a lot safer now. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. That's good. And I was just in Israel yeah. uh last year. Which is uh, interesting. I don't know. I'm not a. I wasn't brought up uh, religious, so uh-huh. I mean, I, I wasn't moved. Even my father was Jewish, 
and that kind of thing. But people say, oh, when you go to the Wailing Wall, are you going to be moved? And so, well, I thought it was interesting, <laughs> you know, and you go through all the different. Jerusalem is fascinating. It just it's divided into a, a Christian section, a uh-huh. Jewish section, a Muslim section. And it just and they all kind of like have, you know, partitioned it off and hmm. get along for now I yeah <laughs> uh, today was a bad yeah. day in israel i don't know if you saw the news but i don't think i did actually. i didn't I yeah there it's uh yeah it's bombing oh. Oh. Um, which is really odd for that kind of place that doesn't really, usually happen there uh, <laughs> g- uh tying back to our the itamama tembian thing i saw a movie called the bubble that takes place in tel aviv and it's sort of about the same thing there are these, these like sort of well-off like Tel Aviv's a party city. Tel Aviv is like, yeah. And then the movie's about Tel Aviv, about how, like, there's all this stuff that you hear about Israel, like, going on around them in in the country, but they're, like, you know, they're... For one thing, there's, like, out-of-the-closet gay kids. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, doing ecstasy and... and There's a lot of atheists there. I I thought everybody would be super religious in Israel. It's not the case. (laughs) Yeah. uh, The the Bubble's a really cool movie uh, in in that sense, seeing a part of, I guess, Israel that you wouldn't consider. Yeah, yeah. One of the other things I had from um, when I was in Rio, I remember seeing, did you see City of God? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. I remember just seeing the, see the favelas in the, uh, yeah. well, you know, they say, you know, it's a very, very dangerous parts mm-hmm. of the city, you know. I mean, so uh, the, uh, I remember a cab driver told us, if you see the big Corcovado, the Jesus statue, they stand there with his arms mm-hmm. out, you know, on the mountain above Rio. They said, if you stick to the, uh, the right-hand side, if you go to Jesus's right hand, those are the good neighborhoods over there. If you find you look up and you're over on Jesus's left hand side, get the hell out of there. Basically, <laughs> so it's like, okay. Stay to the right of Jesus. But yeah, it's um, yeah. I remember being in, the, in a cab and we were going back from um, dinner somewhere and or drinks or something. It was late at night and, was, and he wasn't stopping at any of the red lights. And I was like, how, how come you're not stopping? He goes, Well, if you stop, this this is where they carjack you. Uh. And I was like, well, well, by all means, <laughs> drive through. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, but seeing City of God, I remember you could just, the favelas and, and, and the neighborhoods, you could just, like, feel it, you know? It was just oppressive how they're just on top of each other in these hillside communities, you know? Yeah. This, Did this, you, uh, real oh, quick, um, this isn't Rio, it's Sao Paulo, but do you, you ever watch Anthony Bourdain's show on the travel Yeah, show? yeah. Uh, I remember him talking about how Sao Paulo is so like congested that the wealthiest people get around Sao Paulo by helicopter just because. Wow! It, yeah, it, I wouldn't doubt it. It takes four hours to get across the city. Yeah, I Sao think Paulo, it's, it's it's over twenty million people. I think yeah. Sao Paulo. Yeah, Sao Paulo, I, Mexico City. I think two of the most popular yeah. cities in the world. Right. That, that tidbit just always stuck with me. Yeah, I, I haven't made it down there, but. I did want to, uh, this goes back a little bit, but talking about City of God, it just sort of reminded me. Um, I- I've been to Mexico several times, um, not to any of the like fun places that people want to <laughs> right. go. I've been to Tijuana, and I've been to uh, Juarez, and apparently Juarez, apparently Juarez has gotten worse since yeah. I oh, was yeah. there, oh, yeah. which yeah. is insane, because it was bad when I was there. Are you guys watching that... Um the mini- documentary miniseries on HBO called Witness that it- Michael Mm-mm. Mann is producing. Mm-mm. It's about um, like uh, photojournalists, specifically like war p- journalists who go into war. And the first one was uh, uh, a photojournalist in in Juarez, and uh, just the drug cartels have completely they and, run the place. Yeah, and just the amount of the amount of murder is 
uh, unbelievable. And that that uh, this is a bit off topic, but yeah, this documentary series Witness is not not for the faint of heart because the uh, the cameramen who are shooting the documentary are clearly just as brave as the oh, God. because the, you, oh, no question, there's stuff yeah. happening like you like you're seeing people get shot and 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 bleeding out and it's a really sobering uh, uh, series so far. They've only done two of the. It's a four part. The first one was Juarez and the second one was Libya. That was just Monday night and then there's two more. I can't remember where they're going to be. Oof. And it's one of those things where uh, while I recognize that uh, a lot of the Mexico section of the movie Traffic takes place in Tijuana, which I'm less acquainted with, um, I, I know Juarez uh, much more. Um, I will say, and, and though David and I have, have since uh, kind of not necessarily split on Traffic, I, I recognize that it is a lot more Hokey? Uh, how would you describe yeah, it? It's a lot more more conventional, more conventional than I thought it was at the time. Yeah, it, it's like totally the script. Way. The script is very conventional, but the yeah. way that Soderbergh uh, makes it. But I think the Mexico section is probably the best section in general. Now, partially. what do you think of traffic? You referring to the uh, <laughs> the traffic movie that I was in? The Mike, Mike, oh, Mike Siegel vehicle. That, oh, that one. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, I forgot. <laughs> well, my, when I was on the set um, <laughs> talking to Stephen. <laughs> For the half day I did on the movie, I'm trying to. But you're, uh, you know what? Though, it's been that, so, that you're scene in captured an, the essence of an airplane. Yeah, say, <laughs> you're in an airplane. So where did you shoot that? I shot at uh, right here at Universal. Ah. I thought I was going to be going on the like on the set. I was going to go on location, and uh-huh. no, half day over at Universal. I didn't even get lunch. <laughs> so tell me, if people haven't listened to your past episodes, uh, uh, here, where, where where in traffic should they be looking for? There, um, there's a scene on the plane where Michael Douglas is he's the drug czar and he's uh, flying back. He's on the plane with his staff and he's going, uh, "What what are we going to do about Mexico? I want ideas out of the box." And uh, I'm the guy who speaks up and goes, uh, "Unlimited funds." He goes, "Unlimited <laughs> funds." Uh, and I say. Um, <laughs> I say that's a that's a brilliant delivery. That's yeah. exactly how you <laughs> so, did it twelve years ago. <laughs> and uh, and I go well, well from a DEA standpoint, we need a vetted task force and matching funds and cut the red tape on getting them equipment and training. And then All he right. goes, anybody else? And then he goes into this long speech and yeah, that was it. And uh, yeah, so and I believe the long speech was cut out. I believe they cut it. In silence, where he says, anybody else? And yeah, and then it's like, silence. Yeah, and then it's just silence, and then they cut, and it's meant to say, like, oh, there aren't a lot of ideas. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so or I, they, I may have cut only, that that way, but I'm not real. If, yeah. any, but, uh, if any listeners want to uh, yeah, look a, it up, I have to see the movie again. Put a face to the name or the voice here. Yeah. But yeah, that was, uh, did I tell you my uh, Michael Douglas story on that? No. Follow up on that? Go right ahead. So I was in uh, for my TBS show, which is not on the air anymore, but I was interviewing... Michael Douglas, we were in Cannes in France for the uh, the Wall Street 2 mm-hmm. premiere. Money so Never Sleeps. Is Money Never Sleeps. Yeah. So what I was interviewing the cast, thing. and uh, Michael Douglas, we sit down, and uh, I said, you know, I, we've actually worked together. And he went, uh, huh? And I go, you know, you, I know you don't remember me. This, I was in the movie Traffic with you. And, and then he pauses for a second, and he goes, uh, He's looking at me and he goes, uh, "DEA agent." I went, "Yes." <laughs> he was, "I remember you." And I was like, "Oh my god!" I mean, that was like ten years earlier. Yeah. And how and many 
movies has he done since then? I mean, come on, that's and really that cool. Movie has a huge cast, huge, and he interacts with a lot. I mean, of people. and then he was the nicest guy. Oh, so that was one of my those. good celebrity stories. It All was right, like, that's awesome. He you was have, awesome. Yeah, he was you great. Have a lot of bad ones. Yeah, I like, yeah. I like hearing that. We had. Um, Listeners know we had Josh Fadim on uh, recently, and we actually, even though it was a four-hour episode, we actually did talk off-air, and he was talking about some scenes he shot with Laura Dern for The Master that got cut, and thankfully, Laura Dern is apparently a delightful person. Oh, that's great. That's, yeah. It's always good to hear that. Love to hear like. those. Love to hear those. It's, but it's also always weird to hear the people that you don't like like Larry the Cable Guy, are super nice. Yeah, like, yeah, what, yeah. What am I supposed to do with that? Yeah. Now, usually in stand-up, that was all our, uh, you know, usually the guys we hated their act. <laughs> the more you hated their act, the nicer they were off stage. So you, you wanted to hate them really more. Well, than, I believe the theory is that they have to be nice, yeah, right? That's, because what else are they going to do? Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, real quick, uh, so yeah, just what I saw in the movie Traffic reminded me, you know, you go down there, it's all yellow. Yeah, it's always uh, it's yellow. Just, just a total yellow filter. But um, but it just did kind of... And I understand, of course, Mexico is not like this, not all of it, but just crowded and and gritty and messy and hot and humid and dirty. just uncomfortable. It's, dirty. it's just... It's a dirty place filled with dirty people. Uh, you know what? I'm sorry. I went too far. Um, but no, of course, I'm, I'm joking when I say that, but it's just uh, the part of Mexico that I've been to really captured that. And, yeah. of course, me being there in the capacity that I was, I met a lot of wonderful people and uh, living in uh, terrible poverty, mm. and it was very sad. But uh, uh, Now, real now, quick, you yeah. don't have to do this now, but before the episode is over, uh, I, I would like you to tell one of your stories uh, in meeting celebrities uh, about Reese Witherspoon. Oh. The- <laughs> well, that's, I, think, no, I think this is a good time for it. Right now? And, and then, yeah, and you then we're going to break uh, and start working toward wrapping up. Okay, fair enough. I okay. hope you guys have your bingo cards out. <laughs> That's you want the Reese Witherspoon story? That's, yeah, yeah, I want. Oh, okay. I don't know this story. I want to hear it. Um, so, are you, now I'm sorry. Have I put you on the spot? Are you? No, 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 no. I don't care. No, there's no more bridges left. Okay. <laughs> the uh, so I'm interviewing her for uh, Four Christmases. Uh-huh. That movie with uh, Vince Vaughn. Vince Vaughn. And, it, and uh, apparently they didn't get along on the set uh, at all. But we're not allowed. By, uh, we weren't allowed to Seth bring Gordon, it up. Right? Yeah. Him, well, who, I don't remember who directed. He did it. the documentary. Um, Yes. King of Kong, which the is great. King of Kong. Oh, wow. I followed it up with this movie that nobody liked. I didn't yeah. see that. Yeah. So, uh, whatever. So, we sit down, and I had never interviewed her before. And I always, and, I, and as we're setting up the, the shot, I said to her, you know, uh, I always wanted to tell you that uh, Election is one of my favorite movies of the last uh, 10 years. And uh, I, I thought you were amazing in it. And I always said that if I ever met you, I was going to tell you that. And uh, she just went, Oh, now you have. <laughs> huh? <laughs> now you have. Okay, and action. Go, Mike. I was like, oh, um, mm. so tell me about your movie. Oh, my God. That is you believe so- it? Oh, that is awful. And I, I remember like, when I you believe did- thank you is the right thing to say <laughs> at that moment. Yeah, like, like a human being would say. <laughs> yeah. When, when you did our live show, we wound up. I remember you told me a couple oh. of these beforehand, and you did our live show. And I remember wanting to get to that, but we. I think there was another story. I don't remember what it was. And it's just. And we were we were out of time. And I was like, Oh, everyone needs to. He- everyone <laughs> oh. needs to hear this story. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. So you now you can't look at her the same way. That was one of the drags. Yeah. America's sweetheart. No, uh, I no, don't think so. No. God, that was awful. I'm sorry to make you relive it. No, that was good. That's I love that story. 
All right, yeah. Uh, uh, with an eye towards wrapping up, what else? Okay. Uh, what else? Do we, I know you wanted to end in Los Angeles. Yeah, I would. So what else did you? I had a kind of. I just had a couple of foreign things. Like uh, I saw um, on the flight. I was just in London and Lisbon, and they had, I saw like four movies on the flight. They didn't show flight on the flight. No, no. Yeah. I don't imagine that movie's going to get a lot of airtime no. on airlines. They had uh, to roam with love. Do you see the Woody Allen I did not one? See that one? It's okay. Uh-huh. Okay, but lately his his movies are just like travel logs. So you yeah. know, Vicky Cristina Barcelona, mm-hmm. and I liked Midnight in Paris, but like Midnight in Paris first, is another like, one. The first five minutes of that movie it might as well just be a series of still shots of postcards. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it, it's it was yeah the most. Uh, and of course, his ultimate love letter to New York, Manhattan, uh-huh. mm-hmm. which you know that was if I mean, yeah, there's no better representation of the city, even yeah. at a time when the city was in harsh. You know, the late 70s, early 80s, you see those movies shot in New York. You know, New York was rough. It was looking bad. I mean, it was bankrupt in the late 70s. You know, Taxi Driver. That really captures the city at that time. <laughs> uh-huh. Just the <laughs> Times Square was a pit. It was awful. But it's funny. Like, I've only been to New York once. Uh, but it's funny that there are kind of, like, the Upper West Side along the park kind of does look like a Woody Allen movie. It does. Uh, I find myself thinking, like, oh, I was all prepared for it not to look like yeah. this. And, like, just the whole area around, like, like uh, Columbia kind of is very Woody Allen-ish. The first time I went to New York was as a teenager. It was, like, in the early 80s. And um, I just remember it just being really filthy. Uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, then I ended up living there in 96, 97. And this was, you know, say what you want about Giuliani, but he did really clean it up. Mm-hmm. I mean, the subway, if you look at, like, uh, go watch a Night Shift, no. you know, with uh, Michael Keaton and those guys. They would go in the subway. It's filled with graffiti and crap and, you know, like, the Warriors, you know, remember seeing those things? It did look like that. And now he got rid of all that. And, and it's a lot cleaner than it was. There's a part of me, to go back to Jim Jarmusch, there's a part of me that wants New York to look like... Like permanent vacation in the Lower East Side, where you're not sure, like, are these people paying rent or are they just squatting? Yeah, like, well, is this anyone actually? A little actually... of both. A little yeah. column A and a little of column B. Well, you want that because it's not going to affect you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You want it just like, hey, can you live this this really kind of horrible life <laughs> just so that I can imagine you living it? Um, yeah, actually, it's interesting. Um, a book that, and I'm, I'm certainly not the first one to say this, but uh, Malcolm Gladwell's The Tipping Point is a fascinating book. And one of the things that it talks about is the cleaning up of New York. Oh, yeah, I read that. The, the broken window policy. Broken yeah. window policy. And, like, the subway thing. And, like, uh, the idea of if somebody, what is it, like, a, somebody hops a turnstile or something like that, you got you to gotta get them. You got to, like, arrest them. You have to find them. You got to do any number of things, uh, which previously nobody cared about. And it's just like, if you do these little things, then people will know, oh, they're paying attention. Yeah. I can't do anything big now. And so it's worth noting that like they they focused on like the subway first because that's the thing everybody sees first. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so I find it interesting that you bring up uh, the subway specifically. Yeah. And people York. will adapt to their surroundings. If they mm-hmm. the, if they're nicer surroundings, they will act yeah, a, better. Yeah. yeah. You know, <laughs> so before we move on actually I wanted to something I meant to mention earlier when you were talking about actually selling it being warm or cold, uh, a great New York movie would be The French Connection. Oh, um, I have yeah. that on and, there. Yeah, and that, but that also is a movie, and it's partially in like uh, Gene Hackman and Roy Scheider's performances um, that like you really buy that it is freezing out because yeah. they're just standing there like waiting for like a, a contact or someone an informant, and like Roy Scheider just like stamping his feet yeah. the way you do, and it's like <laughs> that feeling like you know, like you feel like it's so cold that if you went up to like the thickest bricked like concrete wall 
took out the brick, sliced it in half, you know, the center of it would be ice cold. <laughs> yeah. like it's, it's, it's like the, the city is just like frozen all the way through to its bones. And then I Chicago sh- feels like that in the winter a yeah. lot. Oh, I had and, Fargo on here, too. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's another one. I, yeah. I watched that again recently. Like, I've lived uh, in Los Angeles for seven years now, more than seven years. Um, and I've been home for a couple Christmases, but I haven't really spent a winter. I haven't really had a winter in forever. And um, the scene of him where he gets in his car, sits down, then grabs the ice, like, scraper oh, out of the yeah. car and gets out and starts scraping, like, that all these memories flooded back. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Just, I, I mean, don't miss that at all. Yeah, yeah my <laughs> wife is from Minnesota, and uh, we used to go there for Christmas. Thank God we don't anymore. Um, <laughs> but, uh, and it's just, it's one of those things where, because I lived in Denver, I lived in Chicago, I lived in Missouri, like, there are pretty heavy winters there. But you go to Minnesota and it's different. Oh yeah, it's it's this kind of and Fargo captures it. I think uh, I don't remember where Simple Plan takes place, but that kind of captures it as well. <laughs> just this idea of like it just being a fact of your life, and that's awful. <laughs> and just and just the just this just the dead look on his face as he's just scraping and not making a lot of progress, by the way, yeah, yeah. because the ice is just stuck there the way he is. Right, right. And just like. But uh, but it's one of those things like if, the, if you're in a nice warm house in in Denver during in, in the winter or or even Chicago which can get bitterly cold of course uh, if you're in indoors and it's nice and warm but and you put on your coat you put on your hat and then you go outside you've got maybe another you got like ten minutes of warmth with you <laughs> yeah and then the cold starts to take over you exit the house in in Minnesota in like January. Boom! Immediately, it's negative. It's negative fifteen. You step yeah. outside, and you and it's one of those things. Like I, I, I've talked to my brother-in-law who try, who's you know he's a nice guy, but he, he's very much of the of the culture, and just like he's like ah, this isn't cold. It's like yes, it is. You're <laughs> yeah. insane. Okay, you know what? Twenty is cold. Ten is very cold. Negative, like. If you're stuck outside, if you get locked outside in just like a just a t-shirt and an over, and a sh- another shirt, and that's all. You'll get cold in Chicago at like twenty or, or or even fifteen. Like you'll get cold, very cold. You get stuck in Minnesota, you're gonna die. Yeah, you will die <laughs> yeah. of exposure. It is a horrible frozen tundra, and people <laughs> shouldn't live there. And I had the coldest week of my life there. I was working at a comedy club, and uh, it was like the second week in January. I'll never forget it because the week after that, I was going to Australia for the first time I ever went, mm-hmm. first solo trip I ever took overseas, and. Uh, that was all the push I needed to go. I mean, I was from Chicago. I lived there. Yeah. And even I was out there. I was like, you people are nuts. This is, yeah. my car froze over like twice during yeah. the week. I had to get a jump from the mailman, his truck to just even start it. It was, but it was don't insane. You think about, like Little House on the Prairie takes place in Minnesota. Like, the, like that's, they didn't have central heating or they didn't no. have cars. Like how did, how did they survive? Yeah, the only you know the, you just got on you put on a big jacket and you get on with life. You know you do. I've, I've people ask me that here. Uh-huh. You know they're like, oh, you from Chicago? People grew up out here. How did you even handle the winter? We know it was coming. You put on a jacket and you get yeah. on with your life. You, you're just gonna stay in. You can't. But I. But in reference to Little House on the Prairie, those are the people that like settled. Yeah, in many ways. <laughs> but like they settled that that land, and I've I've really thought this through. Uh, usually in January in Minnesota when we're going to visit, and it's terrible. Um, and I'm just like, somebody got here, and let's say they got if they got here in the winter and then just decided to stop. That's insane. So let's say they got here in the summer, 
and they thought this is a pretty nice place. And then the winter hits. Then it's like, oh, I was wrong. Let's keep going. But people didn't do that. They, just, well, I, I they must have all, assumed the all, next place would be worse. It was all Germans and Swedes, and they, yeah. they, they gave them all this farmland because, you know, they could handle it. And and that's, they, that's yeah. another thing. they had they an offer like, of this cheaper free farmland, and they're like, well, we didn't have this in the old country. That's true, yeah. And, like, you and I move someplace. We can just put our shit in boxes and go somewhere else. They came in the spring or summer, and they planted stuff. They were invested yeah. in the land. Yeah. I know. They couldn't but how much stuff can you plant that isn't then destroyed by that winter? <laughs> and I mean relationships. Yeah. I mean any number. I'm sorry. I know that we have listeners in Minnesota, and I'm sorry. I've never you been. Got, you got to go. You have to just leave. Uh, we can move on. Yeah, let's what move else on. What else? <laughs> um, Paris. Okay. There was, uh, you see Paris Jatem? Yeah. He did. That was a cool little thing. I mean, that was like a postcard of uh, yeah of Paris, and especially because you maybe know, you want to go again. Some of the I've never been there. Oh, uh, some of the films work as films. Uh, some of them not as not quite as satisfying, but all of them because they're trying to show. You know, we see people who are visiting Paris, and so that means we're going to see all the landmarks. Yeah. And there are people that just live there, so we're going to see you know kind of the side streets and stuff like that. So. You see that movie, and you re- and like it's a very aptly named film. It's Paris, I Love You. It, yeah, everyone it is, who made that is a postcard yeah. too. It's a love letter to Paris. Very you know, much it's so. Not, not to bring it down about Paris, but the thing that really fascinates me about Paris, both having been there and just like reading about it, uh, uh, unlike as has been the case in America for decades, where the um, the, the the poor are in the inner city and then the further out you go and you know there's the mm-hmm. wealthy people in the suburbs like Paris it seems like the bourgeois have the city and the projects yeah, the wealthier are in, in the, the city, projects yeah. are in the suburbs uh, yeah. I don't know if you've ever seen uh, La Haine or Hate with uh, uh, it's a French film no. that um, like it it's these uh, yeah these project kids essentially and they uh, get in some trouble and they go into the city and spend a night in the city and it really does highlight this this difference and and how uh it it seems so odd to us and yet i think um the way you see even when i go home to st louis you know um the way you see urban centers being uh revitalized in some ways that are good but also some ways that are very white and bourgeois yeah and i and i wonder if the same thing isn't happening in america where the 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 wealthy are going to start moving back into the cities as the poor people get pushed further out well, I don't know. There's got to be something to live around. There's St. Louis, Cleveland is another one. Um, it's just one of those cities where all the money in Detroit, uh-huh. same thing. It's just all the money left mm-hmm. and went out outside the city and it just kind of left the city to to rot, you yeah. know? And then St. Louis never really came back. It's, Detroit uh, never I mean, really it's, came back. It's it's coming back. Like, uh, the area around... There's pockets of it, but uh, I mean... Especially around Bush Stadium where the Cardinals play right now is they're, they're really putting a lot of effort into... Uh, not only bringing businesses back, but having uh, like loft uh, apartments and, and bringing back a certain yuppie uh, people into yuppie class of people into downtown St. Louis, <laughs> right. and they're having some success from what I can tell when I'm there. I don't know for five days out of a year, <laughs> right, right. It, but it seems like it. Um, oh, I had another one for Paris. Was okay. uh, do you see Breathless? For the Godard movie, I sure, saw yeah. it just for the first time like a month ago. Actually, you know what really jumps out of me in that movie? What's I mean, that? it's it's kind of like a it's a cool little snapshot of Paris post war and mm-hmm. in the fifties, but it's also Jean Paul Belmondo 
in that movie is smoking in every single uh-huh. scene. <laughs> yeah. And I'm every single I mean not even he's in bed, he's in an elevator, he's in a car, uh-huh. it's a, he's lighting one, he's either lighting one, smoking one or has one or Yeah. It's amazing. It really yeah. just jumped out at me. You just you don't see that anymore. Yeah. And having not okay, I've not been to Paris. Nor have, I, nor have I been to Paris in the 60s. Um, and so, uh, but that seems like, based on what, you know, what you hear, like it just being the kind of this, sort of this swing in town where it's just cool. It's like, oh, this, yeah. just this cool, at, at that time specifically. And, and we all know that smoking cigarettes is cool. Yeah. It is cool. It makes you look cool. I, you know, <laughs> I understand it's unhealthy. I don't smoke. But man, you know, you look at Humphrey Bogart, which clearly that character and Belmondo, did. yeah. yeah. And it's just like, yeah, all he's right. a cool guy. You got me. You got me. You <laughs> well, got it's the me same hooked. thing I have like with all the uh, the Fellini movies about Italy, you mm-hmm. know, yeah. like Roma and you know the Dolce Vita and all yeah. those things. And it's just like, boy, that seems like a really cool time. Everybody <laughs> looks like they're having so much fun. And they all look fantastic. Everybody's got a great suit. Yeah, <laughs> and they are all smoking, but uh, yeah. In keeping with my being a downer, uh, Knights of Cabiria is also another uh, is a great Fellini movie about about Rome that that, sh- that shows uh, more of the... The seedy side? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What did I have for Dublin? Oh, I had some Dublin... The Commitments? Oh, I never no, I didn't saw see that. It. You didn't see The Commitments? No. I oh. heard it's good. It's good, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just a, like they show the seedy side of like these uh-huh. these kids are... Uh, and they find like salvation in uh, old like 60s American soul music and they start a band and... Because uh-huh. the themes are kind of... They compare themselves to the blacks... You know, the right. Irish yeah. there compared themselves to the blacks of the, yeah. So. Oh, interesting. And um, the music's good in it. Yeah. And uh, Far and Away, did you ever see that? I Didn't never did. That one. It's like a postcard for Ireland. Yeah. It's a Ron Howard movie. Yeah. I can't remember who, who was in that. Was that the Tom Cruise, That's Nicole That's Tom Kidman Cruise, movie? Nicole Yes, Kidman. yes, yes. Yeah. Not, not to be confused with the Eyes Wide Shut. It's the other Tom right. Cruise yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's easy to get them mixed up. I'll say that. <laughs> you know, actually, I think I did see, like, I think I watched it, like, with my parents... That was like 91 or something. Yeah. So I think I was like 9 or 10. I don't think I had any appreciation for it. But uh, I also had something about the, those movies that were, uh, you talked about setting the, the sweat, like mm-hmm. setting the south, like body heat. It was just one of those movies where mm-hmm. just like everybody's just sweating through it. You just yeah. know it. it's in like this little Florida town and then everybody's just always sitting by a fan. He's constantly like reaching in for a beer, putting it up to his face. I feel that way about. Uh, I do have a section here for just the South. Yeah, like Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil. I have that one. It's all about Savannah. In the heat of the night. Yeah, yeah. Just everyone just drenched in sweat. (laughs) Rod Steiger sweating. What could be worse? Yeah. Can I admit, I uh, only saw In the Heat of the Night for the first time fairly recently. Oh, really? And I I kicked myself. That movie is so great. I love that movie. It's uh, it's amazing. And call me Mr. Tibbs. (laughs) And it's a shame. Not a shame. I mean,. you know, uh, Sidney Poitier is great in it, but r- that Rod Steiger, uh-huh. I, I, I love him because he just really does seem like somebody of that era of that time. Mm-hmm. And he's one of the more forward thinking characters, <laughs> yeah. in this yeah. town, which is what I love. Um, but yeah, for the South, I have, having lived in the Ozarks, I've got winter's bone, which mm-hmm. admittedly I was not involved in the meth, uh, <laughs> dealing, mm-hmm. but I did know people that, uh, got in trouble uh and that sort of thing and so but nor did you live in the weird like i didn't live in like the rural uh, part yeah you were in the deliverance area yeah yeah those people beyond or those people like off the grid but they're but they're close enough that there's like a school 
Yeah, that's and true. so that means so that's the thing. Like, I mean, you've you've been to Nixa where I lived, and uh, you know, there's this the town that's centrally located. But then, you know, I had friends who lived. You know, they yeah. lived in the middle of the forest. If you went to visit them and you were outside for any length of time in the summer, you should check yourself for ticks. Yeah, um, just you know that sort of thing. And so, uh, so I feel like Winter's Bone captures that, and that's another movie that just feels cold. But. Um, <laughs> And then uh, Junebug. Did you ever see Junebug? No, I no. Never and you never either. saw Junebug? Yeah. Oh, man, that movie's great. Who's it? Well, that's the one with... Uh, the it's the one that put Amy Adams kind of... Amy Adams. Off. She got her first Oscar nomination for it, but it's also got Scott Wilson, who is young in, uh, in The Heat of the Night. Um, but, yeah, uh, that's right. And it's just that one... That captures it not merely just as far as like how it feels, but also the way people relate to one another where they're very nice. You know, you hear people say like, Oh, bless your heart. And yeah, that's like that. the, after they've insulted you. completely. <laughs> right, yeah. That's the, that's the Southern way of uh, any Southern woman can say the most horrible thing yeah. about each other. And then, Oh, just bless her heart. And you know what? <laughs> that phrase does kind of make it go. Away. Yeah. It it's does got to like, go away. Yeah, Bless my heart. <laughs> bless my heart. But, uh, but yeah, so let's now I did have one more thing before we move back into Los Angeles. Now there's the South. And then there's Texas. Texas is a different animal. Texas yeah. is a different animal. And so the I, accents are different. The, the terrain is different. General mentality is different. And I've been to Texas, specifically uh, El Paso, because that's where we would stay when we were going to go cross the border into, uh, legally, into uh, uh, yeah. Juarez. Um, and, uh, and so it, 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 there's a desolate quality to it. And there's a strange kind of, I don't know, there, there, it, just, it feels like just harsh country. It and is. So it's movies like land. No Country for Old Men, Paris, Texas, The Last Picture Show. Uh, it yeah. just feels like there's a desolation there. It's like Australia. It is, but it it's is. in our country. Yeah. And it's did you see strange. a movie called Fandango? With no, uh, I didn't. I'm, it was one of Kevin Costner's first movie, and it okay. kind of like it was like his first starring role. Okay. And uh, yeah, it's a bunch of guys. It's around the Vietnam era. They all graduate from college, mm-hmm. and one of them was going to get drafted. There's just like one big last blowout. It's a road movie. Okay. But uh, yeah, they're just driving all around Texas, and it's uh, it's desolate. It all really around is Texas and never leaving. What yeah, must that and it be is like? dry and hot. <laughs> and uh, what's another good Texas movie? Oh, Urban Cowboy. Never saw that. What? I know. I never saw it either. Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah. come on, Travolta. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was huge. That was a big, big movie. And it kicked. Uh, I mean, it, it kicked, kicked off, off like, the whole country like dancing thing, and yeah. all of a sudden, like a fashion and everything like that. Um. Uh, I like Dazed and Confused, which is oh, like that's right. it's that's all the awesome. Linklater movies. It's yeah. a it's a suburb movie that in many ways is indistinguishable from any other. Uh, he nailed it though. He nailed yeah. the time. Yeah, but also the thing like um, when Ben Affleck is chasing the younger kids, and then one mom comes out and has a shotgun, and it's like, <laughs> oh, this is a little more yeah. Texas. This, that wouldn't <laughs> happen in my St. Louis like suburb. Uh, yeah, I, so I like those those little little touches. That's a great movie, and there's all sorts of yeah. The, you got the accents, you got the the football coach, of course. Yeah, Randall Floyd. By next fall, you are in need of a serious attitude adjustment. <laughs> <laughs> and that and that brings up uh, Friday Night Lights, which yeah. I feel like just mm-hmm. it's the high school football is just everything down there. And it's interesting. Uh, I was not involved in uh, football, as listeners know. Uh, I did not care for sports, but. Uh, <laughs> Somebody recently made a uh, a bingo card mm-hmm. for Battleship Pretension, where if we say certain things, you uh, you mark it. So you your um, Funyun diet wasn't part of your training for regimen for the for the team. No, but my <laughs> but my uh, my love of chicken strips is in there. Oh, okay. Sure. So, um, but uh, now, David, <laughs> you may recall when we went to the International Thespian Festival, 
which featured uh, plays and theater departments from all over the country and Canada. That's why it's international. I think mm. there was a Japanese representative. Was there? There was someone outside of the... I could have sworn it was America. only... Okay. Anyway, this is in Lincoln, Nebraska. Yeah, yeah. It was in Lincoln, Nebraska. Yeah. And so... Um, and I remember, like, the Texas... Like, there was, there was a group of people from Texas there, and they were really, really egotistical. <laughs> like, they were just really, really pleased. And it's just like, look, we're all here. We're not even competing. We're all just here to put on shows, and that means we're all pretty good. No, you're the best? Okay, mm-hmm. fair enough. Screw me, I guess. <laughs> but, like, I get the impression... No offense when, to people from Texas, but I'm just saying, like... When Texans leave Texas, it's like when we go to another country. Like, they... You know, yeah. Texas wanted to said, wanted you, to secede. You, I think they still kind of. I would say you know you always know the people from Texas because they're the ones reminding you every five minutes that they're from Texas. <laughs> <laughs> what is and that? What do you call that? A steak in uh, Texas? We call that a burger. <laughs> what is that? A car in Texas? We call that a golf cart. <laughs> you know, and on and on. okay, I get it. I get it. You like things big. <laughs> and it's no, it's and not it's, big. Your library. What do you think of that? <laughs> You should work that into your act. Yeah, okay. Um, but it's They've got uh, a lovely uh, book depository. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Uh, but uh, yeah, and so it's just when I so of course there are not a lot of movies about Texas theater, but uh, the same kind of pride that the characters have in uh, their football team, it's just like, huh? The whole Texas thing filtered into their <laughs> theater department. Yeah. I have to. It's weird because like I have to assume that. You know what? That's mean. What I was about to say is mean, and it generalizes about Texans. But it's just one of those things. Like, I have to assume that like you are not at all beloved in your high school. I have to assume <laughs> yeah. the football team gets all the. But you come here, and you're still the te- you're still Texas. Uh, yeah, yeah. I like this Texas passion. This is fun. Yeah, sorry. So, wait, did you guys see Bernie? Yes. No. Yeah. Well, of course uh, I saw. Yeah. Um, well, speaking of Richard Linklater, that's a. Now that's I understand that's an East Texas thing, which is a yeah. a different animal from what I my understanding. Well, West Texas is pretty rural and remote right. and, uh, and th- this harsh. Is, I get this I maybe just looks a, looks a little more a little more verdant. I'll say a little more verdant. Uh, exactly. Back to the verdant, yeah. Louisiana. But the the <laughs> the way that in in Bernie like. The people in one town, they might not all get along with each other, but they think of the people from the town five minutes down the highway as just being troglodytes. Like, yeah, yeah. Like everyone from that town is just written off in one broad stroke. That's a, that's a great... Yeah, it's it's like when I lived in Nixa, we were better than Ozark, but then Ozark and Nixa were better than Arkansas, which was right underneath. <laughs> Arkansas, silly. by the way, is a lovely place. It really is. I, uh, when, when, I, when I lived in Springfield, went to uh, Springfield, Missouri... Visited Little Rock a number of times, and that that drive from Springfield, Missouri to Little Rock—it's beautiful. It's beautiful, beautiful right. country. I mean, you gotta you know you gotta drive through Branson, and so you just kind of <laughs> see what you can do to shut your eyes through that. But yeah, you know, um, yeah, maybe okay. you want to see Tony Orlando. Sure. Maybe you do. Or, maybe uh, Yakov Smirnov. Yeah. I saw Yakov Smirnov. The oh, first really? That I, yeah. Who's the Japanese violin guy? Shoji Tabuchi. Shoji Tabuchi. Yeah, it was a big deal. I, I worked at a at a, I worked at a movie theater in Springfield, and one day Shoji came in. Oh, it was a big deal. What was he seeing? I do not recall. How to Tempopo? De- how to deal? <laughs> how to deal? I'm sorry. Yes, that's what it yeah. was. It was a it was a limited engagement. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but uh, okay. Let's oh, come on real quick. How to deal? Did you ever see that? No, of course not. Did you not. see How to Deal? No. With what is that? It's it's it, like. You'd what, think, are you a thirteen-year-old girl? What do you think? It's a, how to deal. There was a time when I worked. I remember working in a video store. I saw you everything, everything, literally okay. everything. Um, and how to deal is essentially like it's almost like a parody of those kind of movies because 
every single thing that can happen to like a teenage girl in a teenage girl like melodrama type of movie happens. There's like death and pregnancy and like <laughs> boyfriend issues and just like every single thing is in how to deal. It's almost But like does a she poop. deal? Uh, you're going to have to watch She them. totally deals. I bet she totally deals. <laughs> well, but I'm, how? How? How, she do it? how to deal? I don't know how she does it. All right. So let's wrap this up. Okay. Let's bring it on back home. Which is something you and LA. I have talked about a lot. Yeah. So I kind of want to throw it to Mike. What do you yeah. think of... You've lived here longer than... L.A.? You know, yeah. My first impressions of L.A., I was just, you know, growing up... You, it was always on TV. California seemed like this is like magical, mystical uh-huh. place, especially from Illinois. It was like, wow, there's mountains there, and there's an ocean, <laughs> and they're both in the same place. It just seemed like crazy. It just, and everything looked like it was happening there. And I, I used to skateboard, and so in the late 70s, I caught that whole Dogtown thing, and that was yeah. all like a magical place to me. And so my first, I remember seeing like uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, and that was like, that's how I assumed like every teenager in California was like. <laughs> so those those wow well, look at that they got a pool in their backyard. <laughs> it's in ground. It's amazing. <laughs> you know, like so I just thought that's the way it was. And then Valley Girl was another one. Uh-huh. You know because people forget like nobody talked that way before Valley Girl. Now yeah. like all teenagers in America talk that way. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. But they didn't say that like. <clears throat> Like, you know, like that word yeah. right there. Right. They, they didn't talk that way. Like my uh, babysitter and her friends, which was like um, Days and Confused, mm-hmm. that reminded me totally of my babysitter and her friends. I uh-huh. mean, they listened to that music. Mm-hmm. They looked that way. I uh-huh. mean, Linklater really nailed that time mm-hmm. and the fashions and everything else. But uh, yeah, California movies, I'm trying to think. There was all those, those like Chinatown and stuff like that. Right. Yeah. But I, um, I always think, uh, to Live and Die in L.A. was one I really liked. I never liked. saw it, actually. Oh, That's really? That's William Friedkin, right? I, I yeah. remember hearing good and bad things, William but Peterson. I feel like I would like And Willem Dafoe, right? Yes. I like Willem He's Dafoe. the bad guy in it. Of course he is. You should watch it. It's a I good know. action it's, movie. It's a good action movie. I think as a as a cop like movie, I, I, don't, I think it's a little too uh, on the nose. It's got like the... Uh, the guy who was like five days away from retirement, like getting <laughs> yeah, yeah. killed, like it has some of that. Well, there's a twist in there. I don't want to give it away, right. but there's like there's something that happens in it, and you go, "What? What?" That um, you just don't see coming. All right. Well, that's just kind of cool. Uh, but this, uh, I guess, what you're saying ties into how I felt when I moved out here because I feel like when you see Los Angeles depicted on in movies and stuff, you're generally seeing the beach, or you're seeing Beverly Hills, or maybe you're yeah. seeing like Melrose Avenue. Uh, and then you see like Boys in the Hood or something like that, and you're like, "Oh, <laughs> right. wait a minute! Yeah. There's a whole other part." Uh, and, and, and yeah, uh, there's the thing that that struck me moving from Chicago to Los Angeles. The thing that stri- strikes me about the city is just how low to the ground it is. There's so yeah. few like tall buildings. It's why uh, there's a I'm not, I'm the billionth person to say this, but Los Angeles is like dozens of suburbs in search of a city. That's a thing that is commonly said about Los mm-hmm. Angeles. And it's usually said as kind of a, a slam, but I don't, I don't think that's, uh, I don't, th- I don't mean it in, in that way. I, uh, uh, Los Angeles, I've, you know, I've lived in Chicago. I've been to New York, the other two huge cities, uh, in in, in, um, in, in the country, but Los Angeles, uh, there's not another city 
that works like this one does. You it's, know, it's, it's very strange. And when I'm overseas and people ask me about visiting the West Coast, they're like, oh, we're going to be out there. Where should we go? And I usually tell them to go to San Francisco. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, they're usually happier. You know, yeah. and I'm usually right about that because uh, when you really think about it, A, it's a lot easier to get around in San Francisco. It's more of a city-like city mm-hmm. that they're used to, that everybody in the world is used to uh, getting around. It's just prettier. Yeah, it's just, I love not, just better looking. Really, outside of LA, unless you've seen the oceans and the mountain, it's really not that attractive. I mean, it's you can drive through the whole, you know, there's a lot of strip malls and a lot of office buildings. Yeah, and go to Hearst Castle, it, go to SeaWorld, yeah, it's fine. It's not it really has, that tons of sea. And I've come to, like, when I moved from St. Louis to Chicago, within a day of living in Chicago, I was like, I love this place. Yeah, yeah. it's a moved, great city. Uh, I now love Los Angeles, but it took me about a year and a half, I think, of living you got to find your little pockets of it that yeah, you like. Yeah, and you also have to find the way that uh, the the this, I think, to a, a newcomer, um, this place seems... Uh, uh, devoid of culture, cultureless, because yeah. it's so much of, like you yeah. see so much of like the movie production and just like the taking the culture out of <laughs> out well, of art. Yeah, making. it but, doesn't come to you. You got to go to it. Yeah, mm-hmm. once you sort of find where it's where it is sort of springing up. These uh, there, there's so much great food and art, yeah. and music, and all kinds of awesome things happening in Los like Angeles, in New York and Chicago. It just kind of hits you in the face. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. it's it's hard. You can't avoid it. But here you got to seek it out, and yeah. just being in the car. It makes it less of a, you know, people just don't deal with one another. It's just yeah, that's it's, why it's a like, different feel. I take public transit when when I can. I, I live in North Hollywood. I, I work and I walk. somewhere else, but I. Oh. You know, I'm one of the few people that walks in this town. And I, wow. I got to live by stuff I can walk to. I hate the thought of having to get in the car every time I want to get a coffee or something. Uh-huh. You know, I, I got to be able to walk the stuff. Now, Mike, you're talking about people being in cars. <laughs> it sounds to me like you're saying that you know. When you're in a car, we're, you know, we all drive cars in Los Angeles. Right. We are, we're cut off from one another. So it sounds like you're saying it's very intriguing that so it's almost as though we crash into each other <laughs> just so we can feel something. Is that what you're saying? Something like that? There might be a movie in this. Okay. I think that's a great idea. Okay. I never looked at it that way. All right. We're talking, of course, about uh, Shortcuts, <laughs> the uh, Robert Altman film. Of course, I'm uh, talking, I'm referencing Crash, a movie I specifically did not write down because I've already got Shortcuts and Magnolia here. <laughs> Why would you have to write down Crash if you've got Shortcuts and Magnolia? Uh, right. And, and Boogie Nights, one of my favorite movies uh, of the last 20 years. And that is The Valley. That I mean, is The and, Valley, man. When you think of how, I mean, The Valley is huge, like... As David says, like, you think of Beverly Hills, Hollywood, you think of, like, that as Los Angeles. Like, a huge section of Los Angeles, though it won't be called Los Angeles, it's still technically Los Angeles, is, is you know, North Hollywood, Sherman Oaks, Van yeah. Nuys. You this know. is like the Brooklyn of, uh, <laughs> of L.A. It really is, because Brooklyn is uh, huge. I think it's bigger than, Man- more people than Manhattan. Hmm. And it's bigger land-wise, and it's, uh, but, you know, it still gets, it's not. Right. You know, here, it's the other side of the hill. Yeah, well, there you know, it's the other side of the river, but it's um, just you know. The other movie I always talk to, talk about is Jackie Brown, which oh, shot yeah. in places like Hawthorne and Torrance, like places you don't even living here. Yeah, like you don't really consider Hawthorne or Torrance or those kind of places that are like just like west of the airport, like southwest of the airport. But like it's it's a whole flat area that you don't even think about. But he, uh, I think Jackie Brown's one of my favorite Los Angeles movies. Yeah. And you, uh, oh, go ahead. No, I was just wondering if the you remember was it was the uh, the seventies movie 
Something about the movie shot here that was like Day of the Tiger with uh, Save the Tiger, Save the Tiger oh, yeah. with Jack yeah. Lemmon. Cool movie. Yeah. And I like uh, that movie. Oh, what was another one? It was Day of the Locust? I never saw Day that. of the Locust is a movie I've not seen it, but it was Ellie Gould, I think. Uh, that sounds right. But there is uh, well, he's he was in another '70s Altman movie called The Long Goodbye. Long Goodbye, maybe that's... Is that a... Okay, all right. Because there is a movie called Day of the Locust. I don't know uh, anything about it. But The Long Goodbye takes place in the 70s. And he's a detective, right? Yes. He's Philip Marlowe. Yeah. He is in 1940, as far as his mentality and the way he (laughs) approaches things. The world he lives in is 1975. Yeah. And so, like... He's still involved in, like, this, you know, Raymond Chandler-esque, uh, you know, murder mystery and stuff. But he's dealing with, like, hippies and stuff. And he's <laughs> yeah. just the ultimate square. It's a wonderful performance by Elliot Gould. And such a... I love that movie. I think it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. I was so happy when I saw it. But, uh, but yeah. And, Alt, yeah, Altman seems to be pretty good with... Uh, between that and, and something and like... the player. Uh, and the player, yeah. Like, he really is interested in Los Angeles culture, I think. Because Shortcuts... The reason that I say that it really captures Los Angeles isn't merely you know scenes that are sh- the, the scenes that are shot here but also there's a reason that crash and magnolia and boogie nights and shortcuts there's a reason they all take place here and it's because there is kind of this weird thing where you just run across people there's weird coincidences that happen here and i think it's because like for example when i first moved here i was working at a blockbuster Ah, uh, remember video stores i know my, that <laughs> uh, kids remember those that blockbuster is a bank now anyway uh and I was working there maybe two weeks and in walks somebody that I knew in Denver and hadn't seen for years. And he just walks in and I was like, David, not this David, a different one. David He's like, Oh, Hey, Hey, what's going on? <laughs> and so we started talking and then he showed me like a spec, uh, a spec uh, commercial that he made starring somebody else I knew in Denver, but not in this. I knew this guy from church. I knew this other guy from school. We, they didn't know each other. They did not meet in Denver. They met out here. <laughs> and I knew them both, but not from here. And not in context of each other. Like, there is something about, like, everybody coming here. Yeah. From other places. And there is this weird thing, like, all these strange connections and these strange coincidences, it does seem to happen here. Yeah. It's very, very strange. Well, um, one of the things I liked about Boogie Nights and stuff, they've, these, these outcasts from wherever they're from, yeah. they've create, you have to create your own family. Yeah. You know, and you, there's a lot of that out here because mm-hmm. everybody's so far away from, from their roots. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. so you, you create this, you can build your own family, which is interesting in a way. Yeah. But some people never do, and, th- and then they get caught up in whatever. Yeah. But you can see where, like, a, a religion could really, where, where Scientology could really take hold oh, or yeah. something like that. You get a lot of people away from their, right. you know, guard or the old guard that would tell them, hey, you, no, we're Catholic. You don't get involved <laughs> in that. This but is, they're running away from that. So you got a kind of independent people to begin with. A lot of artists who are kind of open-minded and seeking mm-hmm. about these things. So, hey, a new religion can really take hold. Um, yeah, there's a I, – I, about a year and a half ago, I went back to my, uh, my old church in Missouri, and I gave a, like a talk about Los Angeles because mm-hmm. small churches in the South have certain attitudes about Los <laughs> yeah. Angeles. And one of the things Missouri's I – not really the South. Oh, I guess yeah. Nixon, oh, yeah. Nixon oh, yeah. Missouri. When you're is the that south. close to Arkansas, I guess. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Hey, Southern should've... Illinois is the South, man. Yeah. yeah. I should have said yeah. Missouri. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it was in Missouri. Say it right. Um, so. Yeah. And so, uh, but yeah, like, 
there is a certain attitude in in the South in in the Christian world about Los Angeles, and and one of the things I said is like you'd be like there's a certain attitude. It's just like ah, they're all atheists out there, and just yeah. and I've met a lot of atheists. Don't get me wrong, <laughs> but at the same time. It's just like, yeah, but people here, like, they, they come here, they've uprooted themselves from their family, from their friends, from the life they knew, and they come here to pursue some kind of dream. They're actually searching for something, whether, whether it be religion or companionship or whatever. Like, they need something. And so it is not nearly as hardened a city as one would think. No, well, this is the difference. I've lived in Chicago, New York, and L.A., and, and I always say, see, nobody retires to California. You know what I mean? It's just like the cost of living is prevented. You can't do it. It's expensive and it's a, it's hard. So it's almost like and so the people who come here. If you're young, it, it it feeds it attracts young hungry people. New York, the same thing. People are coming from all over to test themselves against the best of the best, and they yeah. they want to. They're seeking something. So it, it's an always a constant influx of creative energy. Yeah, as opposed to Florida. Arizona and Vegas, mm-hmm. where you get a lot of people just running from stuff, and they end up there because it's cheap to live. Uh, everybody in Vegas I've ever met who moved there has a story. You know, they're just, sure. nobody moves to Florida to read more. That's what I always say. <laughs> and so it attracts you know where it's, they're always doing some kind of real estate hustle, or they're leaving a bad marriage. Uh, they're starting over, and uh, or they're retiring, and because there's, there's no income tax. And oh, that's okay. cheap to live. No personal income tax in Florida and I think in Arizona either. Oh, interesting. So that's why the, the retirees go there. And you can get a condo for nothing, you know. So if you just want to sit in the sun, you go to do that. But you can't afford to do that here. So it kind of weeds out the slackers. Over the, over the weekend. <laughs> you know, if you see wife. old people here, they're, they've lived here a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. yeah if, over the weekend, my, uh, my wife and I were in Palm Springs. And I love Palm Springs. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think it's great. And I was just like, I'd really like to retire here. Oh wait! I mistook me for a millionaire. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's no way I could ever do that. Yes, you got to have some money to retire in California. The taxes alone will eat you alive. Yeah, I, I'm assuming. And that, by the way, that's like 30, 40 years from now. I I don't think I could. I can't conceive of making enough money in forty years yeah. to retire in Palm Springs. And you know where the people go if they leave here? The ones who they go to Arizona. You know, mm. they had the during that last real estate boom. The ones who cashed out are the ones who've lived here for a long time and they sold and they're like Pff. and they just left they went to Vegas or Arizona and they live like kings now and one last thing I'll say is because I know we got to wrap yeah. up you know we're talking about movies that, ca- that capture the essence of Los Angeles there is a movie that I think really embodies what people think Los Angeles is and that's Falling Down I was going to say Falling and Down and I, I mention it because Robert Duvall's character is going to be retiring to Lake Havasu, Arizona. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and so that's what that's what set it off. But like, it's like the angry watch, white guy fantasy. <laughs> yeah, it just it's just like oh, just all these Koreans oh. and these Mexican gangsters. And uh, okay, admittedly, Frederick Forrest is the weird neo-Nazi guy. That doesn't seem particularly Los Angeles, but what the hell? It's a, it's an urban. It's Orange hell, County. So. I'll tell you that. Fair but, enough. Okay. Yeah, but yeah, so. That's that's what that's the expectation. Stuff like shortcuts and, and boogie nights is the reality. And, <laughs> that's well, not too you, far off. Too great either, I know you have, have you seen the documentary Los Angeles plays itself? No. It's um, it's I know you've it's seen amazing. it because one of the times I I've seen it three times. Uh, it's it's a three hour long sort of film essay about the way that Los Angeles has been portrayed in the movies, um, and if it's going to be playing at a theater somewhere, it can only play at sort of like. 
repertory theaters is because yeah. it has like festival rights, but it will never come out on DVD or like air on television because of all the clips that he uses. Oh. It'd be way too expensive. So if you see that it's playing somewhere, yeah. go see it because you won't get very many chances. Um, and I don't think you'll be disappointed. What's it about? It's just it's just how is Los Angeles depicted in film? Oh, okay. And yeah. so it basically has clips from what like 150, 200 movies. It's it's insane. Oh, that's yeah. great. But it's he's really also amazing. I wanted to mention it because you talked about shortcuts. But he Tom Anderson is a guy's name. He's pretty hard on shortcuts. He and, is, on, yeah. and on Robert Altman and, and on the fact that even the sort of like. Uh, lower middle class people seem to live in in the hills you, you know that he doesn't seem to robert altman maybe can't conceive of a suburbs other than the kind of suburbs his <laughs> of a latino person <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah well at the same <laughs> which time, is uh, we're minorities in this officially yeah. so right, you have yeah. to put that so how do we how do we use that yeah <laughs> um to get back in power <laughs> um, well did you see the new la cop one with gyllenhaal and the, end of watch i didn't i heard it was really good yeah that's actually. supposed to be really good did you see it no i didn't see it okay yeah and the one rampart good. with uh i didn't see that either i really wanted woody harrelson supposed to be amazing because i love that guy's first movie the messenger and so uh, yeah and rampart's on netflix which once i get a new tv yeah i see that big gap uh, yeah. over there on, next to the, on the wall yeah so uh yeah then i will uh I'm going to catch up on so much stuff. I, can't, mm-hmm. I tell myself I'm just going to get busy. <laughs> yeah. So. All right. Uh, We've been going for a while. Yeah, so Mike, yeah. thank, Mike you, thank, thank you for, for staying no, so long. Thanks, thanks for having me. Uh, I'll real quick give our, our plugs. You can find us at com. Email us, uh, david at com. Or Tyler at BattleshipPretension.com. Uh, read all sorts of uh, movie reviews and other things at BattleshipPretension.com. It's a great website. We're very proud of it. Follow me on Twitter uh, at The Pretension. Follow Tyler on Twitter at More Lessons, which is the official Twitter of his other podcast, More Than One Lesson, which is at MoreThanOneLesson.com. You wanted to interject something? Uh, yes, there is a new episode over at More Than One Lesson, which uh, Josh and I talk about Martha, Marcy, May, Marlene. I like that movie. And there is also a new mini-sode in which I tell actually a quite harrowing story that happened to me last night. Exciting stuff. Yeah. Um, so, and you can, uh, my other podcast is the television review wrap-up show Previously On, which I will start doing again soon, I promise. That's at previouslyonshow.com. Also, I forgot to mention earlier in the show, but make sure you get yourself to tweakedaudio.com slash pretension for uh, uh, professional quality earbuds in a variety of styles and colors. You go to that tweakedaudio.com slash pretension portal you get a third off in free shipping and you know we give the uh url every week but if you just go go to battleshippretension.com and click on the right side uh what do they call it the skyscraper banner there for tweaked audio it takes you right through our portal you order you order anything you want there um you get a third off in free shipping so those are our plugs Mike, the, tell us about where you'll be or where we can find your podcast. TravelTalesPodcast.com. We're on iTunes as well. And uh, you can follow us on Twitter at TravelTalesPod. You can follow me on Twitter at Funny Mike. And let's see, it's live gigs. I'll be, well, the only thing right now, I'll be at the end of last week of January. I'll be in Chicago mm-hmm. at Zany's downtown Chicago. All right. Freezing All right. my ass off. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? You're not going to be in Minnesota. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> so. On that note, thank you all for listening. Thank you, Mike, for being here. Thanks for having me, guys. And we'll get you next time. Bye. Bye. This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet. 